guys. Welcome to the Film Fan Club live stream. I'm Sam Carrico. Thank you so much for joining us. This is part of our mission matinee series. We have accepted the mission. We're watching every Mission Impossible movie leading up to Dead Reckoning Part 1. And this is our last uh, bonus podcast before we uh, watch and then review Dead Reckoning Part 1. So if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, make sure you follow us and subscribe on YouTube because that's where our review of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 will be premiering Monday, July 17th. Let me introduce let me introduce my guests for this week's podcast and of course they'll be back with us for the finale so make sure you check us out then as always. We've got he left the news industry, the TV news industry faster than Indiana Jones bombed at the box office. John Lean is here. Howdy howdy. And I think this guy might have had a cameo at the end of Crystal Skull, because he seems like a little bit of a white knight. Alex McKellar is here. Hey, Alex. That's the best hey. I can come up with. You're a social justice warrior. Let's face it, Alex. We all know it. All right. Are there white knights at the end of Crystal Skull? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Did I say Crystal Skull? Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> He, uh, uh, I think this guy might have had a cameo at the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the third one about the Holy Grail, because uh, he's a little bit of a white knight. Alex McKellar is here. Hey, Alex. Hey. They named the that, dog Indiana. Uh, that's, that's, that's how that joke was supposed to work. The I think Last it Crusade. Better this way. Okay. Yeah, I liked um, it a lot. It was good. You can tighten it up for the podcast, and just the people who are here, ready to go, will get the goof. Leave it in. We're, we're, we're yeah. in like no editing. Fuck it. Let's do it live. Let's do it live. Do it live. Got, no editing territory. Got your Bill I got moment. to get to. Okay, so we're going to talk about Mission Impossible Fallout today. That's the sixth Mission Impossible movie. Alex, uh, real briefly, you want to give us your history with this movie? You are the hunt head, you know, after all. Mm. So tell us your history with Fallout and then going into this rewatch. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, like I got sucked in with Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation, but I will like never forget seeing. Uh, fallout in the IMAX. Like, that was just, one, like, one of my favorite movie theater experiences up there with, like, seeing Inception or The Dark Knight in IMAX. Just, like, one of those that I'll never forget. I just, yeah, it was a great time from start to finish. I mean, we'll get into it as we go along, but I, I've loved this movie since the first time I saw it. It is one of my favorites. And, John, uh, I, uh, did you see this movie when it came out in theaters? And then tell us a little bit about your rewatch experience. I think I saw it when it came out in theaters. All the, uh, these last three, I'm, I know I saw four in theaters, and I'm pretty sure I saw five and six in theaters, but I didn't watch it then for a really long time after that. Uh, and it, the rewatch, I've rewatched it a couple times now, because uh, I've just been getting real into this whole series. Uh, and yeah, sick, Fallout's pretty sick all throughout. <laughs> Seems to seems to be the consensus that we like this movie. This is my first time watching it. I've I've only seen part four in theaters, and then now it's been outside of part four. It's been a first time watch for me. Every movie that we watched going into Dead Reckoning, and this was a this was a, a fun time. I really like one thing I noticed about this film. Obviously, Christopher McQuarrie uh, returns as the director from the last movie, and he's back for this movie. But also, they retain a lot of the story elements from the last movie, and I thought that was pretty fun. So, it, it, it kind of in the same way they started to do it with some of the later Bond films, they kind of start to be sequels to one another in 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 sense of continuity, as you know, as opposed to being more standalone Indiana Jones type adventures. Wow, it's a 
I'm getting all the references in today. So a little bit of the structure for the rest of the episode, we are going to go start talking about the movie uh, beat by beat. If you're new to this, I imagine it, this is the sixth one. So yeah, we're going to talk about this. I got notes. I have three pages of notes. Last week I had four. I have three this week. Um, and I have sections, so I'll kind of go through all my bullets. And then at the end of the section, I'll toss to one of my distinguished guests. Um, I'll try and try, guys, try and keep me honest because I have a tendency to skip people. <laughs> we got you. John. Um, okay, so we start off with an amazing dream scene. I thought it was a flashback, but then, then the blowing up happens, and I was like, oh my god, it's, it's <laughs> Ethan and uh, Julia. Who they, I was like, they got Julia back for this. I love Mission Impossible 3, so having continuity, just retaining that from the, the that movie, and, and really uh, expanding on it in a way that was fun, because 4, I, we talked about it in my podcast for that, I thought the way they handled that was a little bit like just sidestepping it, and using the Julia storyline as part of Ethan's character growth and part of the storyline I thought was cool, so I liked the dream sequence, uh, getting right to it with the action. Also, I watched this movie a few days ago, guys, so my notes might be a, a bit out of context when I read them, so, that's, so keep me honest <laughs> on that. We're getting right to it. I don't know what that means. Continuity with Rogue Nation. I, I already addressed that. The Apostles caused COVID? Huh? <laughs> There's some great uh, banter. with. Uh, so the Apostles is, uh, is a spinoff of the Syndicate. Whenever they had mm -hmm. Lane, they were the Syndicate. Now without Lane, they're the Apostles. Oh, I get it because they're Apostles. The people that fall. Okay, I get it. Uh, great banter with uh, uh, Ethan, Luther, and Benji. Those guys are always fun. Brant couldn't be back for this movie. I think when Jeremy Renner realized that he wasn't going to replace Tom Cruise, they're like he just was like, all right. Um, Luther uh, is compromised without uh, the others knowing. That's tension. I liked that. Yeah, because because uh, he has to. They're all he, Luther's in a different spot, and then somebody comes up, and then they're all communicating, and he doesn't. He can't tell Ethan that he's been caught. So that's fun. It creates the tension. And then uh, I, I uh, sorry, I skipped ahead. Tom Cruise would uh, hang on. Would not have left the plutonium behind. No, yeah, I think he would have. I think they, the way they justified that is is me disagreeing with myself in the moment. The way they justify <laughs> it's it, so good. it's such, it's a part of the storyline. Is that he would he always chooses the immediate threat to his friend as opposed to he, in the trolley sequence. Tom Cruise will always choose the person that the train is about to hit right now, and I like that that becomes part of the storyline. So I dis I disagree with past Sam. That feels like a Trump moment whenever somebody said to him like. Uh, Mr. President, your vice president said this. How do you feel? He said, we disagree. And I'm like, that's funny. Uh, but it's myself. Uh, wow, they actually used the nukes. Again, this is me writing things in real time. I thought, I was like, oh, that's a progression from number four. Because in number four, they have the nukes in the air. And then they stop them. This one, the nukes actually go off. And then, oh, never mind. So uh, it's a fake out. Throwback to number one. I like the throwback to number one. Because I don't think they've used that type of fake out since the first one. So it was a nice, I, it's been so long that they can't do it every movie, otherwise I'd see it coming. Right. But that it's it's been so long that I was like, oh wow, yeah, that I remember that and I and I didn't see it coming. And then we get an epic version of the theme. Alex, can you make sense of that for, uh, for, for as somebody who knows the story a little bit more intimately? <laughs> yeah, so like you said, uh, we open with uh, Lane officiating Julia and uh, Ethan's wedding. And I love that he's like, just listing off all the problems he's going to put Julia in. Because I remember, like, as we were watching these earlier, yeah. when we watched three, John was upset about, you know, Ethan just putting Julia and all this. And I was just waiting and waiting for John to finally get to six <laughs> and have Chris McQuarrie just, like, right there at the beginning, call, like, be like, yeah, I saw you, John. Don't even worry. We're <laughs> examining that this time. So I just been waiting for this moment. Um, and then, yeah, you know, sort of like an Ethan nightmare, his worst fears. 
And then, uh, yeah, we get that, like you said, that great banter. They're going there to get the plutonium. We get the fun, like, Ethan is, like, asleep. Oh, he wakes up from the dream, and then he gets the mission directive. And I, it's, it's so, like, cheesy, but I love it when, like, the courier is, like, this fate or the storm or fate whispers to the warrior, a storm is coming. And then Ethan's, like, and, and the warrior whispers back, I am the storm. And he, like, steps into the light. I'm like, I love this movie every time. That line, I'm just back in. About how many times I've seen it. Uh, and then, you know, we get the nice exposition about the apostles, all of that stuff. And then we go to the deal with the guys who are going to try they're trying to buy the plutonium from them. And then, like, like, as you said, Luther gets captured. The deal goes wrong. The apostles are there. And then, yeah, Ethan's faced with the choice to either let Luther die and get away with the plutonium or try and save Luther. And then, like, we'll learn later why Luther, Benji, and Ethan all aren't killed. But in the beginning, it's like they're even confused. They're like, wait, yeah, why didn't we all get killed? They just stole the plutonium and bailed. And then... Um, we cut to the news report. And I love that they got Wolf Blitzer. I was listening <laughs> to the commentary with McCory and Tom Cruise. And they were, like, both so excited. They're like, I can't believe we got Wolf. Wolf's in the movie. Like, they were just geeking out about having Wolf Blitzer on there. And then that whole thing, the first time I saw it, because the way the trailers had played it as well, I was a little bit like, wait a second. Is that how we're starting this one? Like, we're starting with them losing? Like, yeah. I, I'll never forget being in the theater and being kind of like, because they sell it so well. Yeah, Luther and Ethan are both just like there. Ethan's on edge, just like ready to fight uh, Nils Delbrook. And I, that actor is just killing it as well. Just in the bed, like selling it that he's the zealot. And then when they like unlock the phone and the music's building and Ethan's like, go. And the walls just drop away. And it's just like the whole game has changed. This is my favorite cold open of the whole series. Like I just get chills and all that stuff goes down and then he ethan walks up to him and he's like what's done is done when we say it's done and then they knock him out and we get again like this is one of my favorite versions of the theme like the first one is still my favorite but that like bonkos coming in with the sting and then just an amazing opening title sequence i just like, like a i mean i'm just gonna be geeking out about how much i love this movie the whole time john knows i've i haven't let him live it down as I, <laughs> we've watched all of these i just keep being like six is so good dude i love it so much <laughs> oh, you're gonna hate later. Oh, so uh, epic version of the theme. Uh, I, I like that. Changing the theme is always tough, and it's always risky. Yeah. And and I don't think they change it too much, but they change yeah. it enough where I'm like, I I actually appreciated that they did something different while maintaining the essence and the the mm -hmm. tone of the original and not straying too much from it because you can't change right. the banger too much. I actually yeah. am eating my words a little bit right now because I think in one of the previous streams I was like, just don't change it, never change it. But then sometimes <laughs> yeah. they can. Um, do it, change it, and and, and it works. And it Although, works. Yeah. now this is really random, but guys, remember whenever I predicted the House of the Dragon wouldn't change the Game of Thrones theme song? Remember that? <laughs> remember that? Yeah. I, I was so right, and I was, hey, I was correct for having that. Opinion. It baited us just a little bit. They're like, we saved it for the credits <laughs> of the first episode, and then now we're just going to use it again because it's so good. It is good. Yeah. I, I, I'm the only one that predicted that. I'm the only one. Yeah, so. of the whole world. Yeah, we and other people, other people copied me. We checked. Uh, that's did. a good joke. God damn, Alex is fun. Okay, so um, John, everything uh -huh. before the pre-title scene, what did you think? Or the, uh, every, everything pre the main titles. That's what I meant to say. Sorry. Uh, I, like Alex said, the dream sequence I really enjoyed. Like, not only is that set where not the set, but the area that they are is beautiful, right? The mountains and everything. Uh. I like Lane being the officiator of the wedding 
and then being the voice of Ethan's own internal guilt over how he interacted with Julia in three. And I really appreciate uh, Macquarie and, you know, this movie in general, making a comment on the way that three were happened. You know, I mean, I, when we talked about three, I talked about that a lot. That you it is, hated that. I hated his, <laughs> and after I, when I rewatched three, after our discussion, I came to appreciate it as, and maybe not intentionally in three, but as in a headcanon that it's intentional, right? Because Ethan in three is lying constantly. So it makes sense that he's on, like, it doesn't feel right because he's, it's not actually him. Uh, and then in this movie, they're like, yeah, you know, you lied to her constantly. You deceived her to protect her from threats known and unknown. You, uh, you made her give up her whole life and existence and all that shit. And all what's the line I think Lane says is in a futile attempt. Damn it. He says something about happiness or something. Yeah. Yeah. A futile attempt at denying your own like nature or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I was every every time I hear that line, I'm like, oh, that's a cold fucking bird. <laughs> um, and then the 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 heist, not heist, the deal. I really like the arms dealer. His little comment about like I've survived with a voice in my head, and every time I see you, it tells me the same thing. And Ethan's like, what's that? And he says nothing. And then Ethan goes, well, tell the voice to flip a coin. <laughs> Such a, like, <laughs> yeah. good line. It's so uh, good. And Benji, like, tests the beryllium's rod against the spheres, and the, the little uh, thing he's got in his hand starts clicking, and the arms dealer's like, what's that? And Benji explains that it's testing the radiation coming from the nukes, and, like, the guard that's behind the arms dealer takes a step back because it's, like, just clear to him now how radioactive that shit is. And then when the money doesn't come because Luther gets grabbed, the guard takes a step forward again because he's like, oh, I have a job to do now. It's security guy time. Uh, I just like, and this is the thing across the whole Mission Impossible franchise is background characters and little supporting characters get great reactions and little bits of characterization that make them feel real instead of just stock goon in the background, you know? Um, let's see. Luther is a sad, sad guy. <laughs> uh, I, I really like him as a character, but I really want Dead Reckoning to, like, get more into that. <laughs> I really want more Luther, really. <laughs> we all want more uh, Luther. <laughs> And then the, the Wolf Blizzard thing with the nukes in the hospital is crazy because the name of the movie is Fallout. And so the name of the movie itself sells that, yeah. like, there's going to be nuclear fallout. And so then they have the nukes blow up all three of those major religious cities. And then you're like, oh, shit. This is now we've split off into some crazy alternate reality <laughs> where Earth got three nukes that blew up. Rome, no, the Vatican, Jerusalem, and Mecca. Mecca. All at exactly the same time by the same religious uh, terrorist group. And it's like, well, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> and, then it, and then the walls fall away, just like in one. Yeah. 
and it is just a really great drop. And then you know the Mills, and and Benji gets to wear a mask. That's what I know. Benji yeah. gets to wear a mask. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a note here, but I remembered later because I've forgotten half of this movie. Um, I do like. Oh, fuck. Never mind. All right, moving on. No, wait, right. wait. I almost had it. Do we like? Do we like the fact that they give do a bait and switch as a plot device? Are we? It seems like we're all really. We all really bought the the twist, the fake twist. And then they reveal that it is the twist that that wasn't. And do we like that? Do we like being teased by that? Or do we wish that, are we more intrigued by the idea of having to deal with actual nuclear fallout? John, you were just talking. What do you think about that? Do you like that decision to tease us like that? I like it after having seen it. Like, it is super effective and well done. There is this element where, like, the potential for a Mission Impossible movie where Ethan has to deal with the right. fact that three nukes got set off by a terrorist organization, like, the fucking worst thing happened beyond just somebody that he cares about dying. Like, he failed a mission, which he right. never does. It was impossible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, there's, you know, it's one of those things that's, like, the potential for that in my head is so great. Like, it could go anywhere. And so I, but I don't think I can be like, I wish they had done that instead because it's kind of unfair in my mind to compare what they did with the potential that they could have done in my like wildest imaginations. You know what I mean? That's a good point. When we were talking yeah. about Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny, which is on the YouTube channel. Now, uh, <laughs> my uh, guest Ian Simmons from kicking the seat was throwing a bunch of ideas at me, some of which got cut. So I'll have to, post those that as bonus uh, episode, uh, bonus clip later but he uh, had a bunch of ideas for Indiana Jones 5 that I was like that would have just been better for the movie like if they had done that <laughs> this I don't know if it's better because the, the rest of the movie is still really good so like if they had done a like an alternative fallout storyline I can't say it would have been better like de definite definitively um Alex what do you think uh, how how do, do you like the the switcheroo I, I do really like the switcheroo. Um, I like, like John, I'm very interested. Like it is a very interesting idea, especially with like what uh, Lane says in Rogue Nation, where he's like, Ethan hunts a gambler and one day his luck's going to run out and millions will pay for it. You know, and who will you blame then? Like, again, like Chris McQuarrie, he's working on both these movies. They're very smart. They're very well put together. But at the same time, that feels like it's no longer a Mission Impossible movie. Like we've jumped into another style of thing. You know, like sure. these movies are very much about Ethan being... Like, just an absolute insane, like, endlessly capable superhero, essentially, as we see throughout this. Like, like this is, like, again, like, all of them, he's a superhero, but this one just feels like it's at its most superhero-y, I guess. You know, he's just, as we get into he's doing just crazy shit by the end of this movie. And I love it, but it is just nuts. So, I love it also because, like, it works so well for what they're trying to do. Like, to get this guy to give them the information... They sell him that he's already won. So he's just laughing at them, thinking he's won. Like, ah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you can have the phone. None of this matters now. And then just to pull the rug out from under him. So it's like devastating to this villain and super exciting for us. And then to just lead in to like also showing us the very real stakes of what we're dealing with. Like there's three nukes out there. They could blow up three different places. And like that's, they've shown us like the potential of this going bad right at the beginning. It hasn't happened yet, but they play with that idea throughout the movie. So I do think it works really well. And again, I every time I'm watching the opening 
and the, the song's building to the drop. I'm just, I'm just so excited. I'm just having the best time. It's fun to see Alec Baldwin as the IMF secretary. Uh, and a little tip of the hat to, to Alex, you always have uh, fun little screen names. Uh, uh, and I, I appreciate the change. It went from Alan Hunley, secretary, or sorry, it went from Alan Hunley, CIA director, to Alan Hunley, former CIA director. And now on this stream, Alex's little screen name says Alan Hunley, secretary of the IMF. It's very, it's a good visual gag. And, and a lot of people aren't going to get that. And that's, I shame. know. I'm, it's fun for us. I'm having it's a good fun. Time. It's very fun for us. Turn into a live stream. There yeah, and that's why if you want to see these discussions live, you should follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the film fan club. Excellent plug, John. Thank you. Um, it's fun to see Alec Baldwin as the IMF secretary now and having to stick up for Ethan against uh, Angela Bassett, who plays the new CIA director. It's a fun. It's a it's a it's just great to see him like in the exact reversal of his role from the last movie. And it also shows how he's bonded with this team now. And then now you get to add Angela Bassett to the cast and cast. And she's great as well in her own right. And having her be the, be the no nonsense CIA director is fun. Um, we also get introduced to Henry Cavill in this movie, which I was so excited about. Not only because he has a great haircut, but because he has a fantastic mustache in this film. <laughs> and I believe mustache. That, that mustache costs uh, uh, hundreds of millions of, or tens of yeah. millions of dollars. Not for yeah. him, but for Warner <laughs> Brothers in I the know. year 2017 when they were trying to redo Justice League. I oh, was reading God. some trivia, and apparently because Tom broke his foot, doing one of the stunts like the shooting got delayed and so mccrory was like yeah you can you can shave the mustache you can do justice league but the paramount studio was like no they're gonna pay for it <laughs> paramount just was like fuck you warner brothers he's keeping Good. it for this we're not wasting extra money you do it <laughs> Honestly, having seen the Joss Whedon cut of Justice League, good. Yeah, I'm glad. No, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. This movie is so much better. Yeah, absolutely. And now that I've seen this movie, I feel I feel like a little bit more of my life is a little bit more. I get a little bit more closure to that whole era <laughs> of my life. I thought about getting a shirt that said "Directed by Zack Snyder" on it, but I just couldn't. I couldn't justify the cost. Uh, I'm really excited to see more of Henry Cavill um, in this movie as we're going to discuss it because uh, the, the rivalry that, that gets introduced between him and Ethan because he is uh, Angela Bassett's uh, Ethan, basically. He is the, the Ethan Hunt of the CIA as he's introduced at the beginning of this film. And uh, the rivalry is fun, although he becomes a little bit less intimidating, I have to say, whenever he is portrayed as a little bit of an incompetent idiot in the Halo <laughs> jump scene. A couple things about the Halo jump scene. First of all, a amazing feat of filmmaking. Like I mm. had to watch that and then immediately, as soon as it was over, pause it and then watch the behind the scene. I've seen it out of context before I saw this movie, like how they pulled off the Halo jump scene, but oh, I wanted yeah, to watch it again incredible. just because it's so incredible and so inspiring as, so, you know, I, like, I do video production in my day job and obviously for fun here and stuff like that. And as somebody who does that, I'm like, it's so inspiring. Like, could you imagine that being your job? Like, oh my God. Like, yeah, I make, I make, I make content. What kind of content do you produce? Oh, I jump <laughs> off the back of a fucking plane and shoot Tom with, Cruise. There's a camera strapped <laughs> to my head. They're, oh my they're, God. Like one of the behind the scenes thing, he's done like thousands of jumps, but only like 20 of them without a camera on his head or something like that. Like I might be <laughs> exaggerating, but that guy like is constantly jumping out of airplanes with a helmet camera for oh, different stuff. Yeah. yeah. Just incredible. No, that's great. It's it's a great scene, and but 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 the, the, they do make Walker out to be an idiot, and and because it, it, it's funny, I, I have very mixed feelings about it. I guess so. We can we can dive into a little bit more and discuss. But yeah, what do you think of 
um, uh, I can't remember who I threw to you last. John, we'll just start with you on this one. Uh, John, what do you think of the introduction to the CIA storyline? Alec Baldwin's back having to stand up for the IMF, uh, Angela Bassett, but more importantly, Henry Cavill and that halo jump. That's what I really want to get to. What do you think about all that? I liked all that stuff a lot. Uh, the, the scene on the runway is really, really well done and put together. Uh, um, Hunley being like, some flaw in your character makes it impossible for you to choose the lives of millions over the lives of one of your team. You see that as your greatest weakness, but I see it as your greatest strength is a really great, like continuation of his from rogue nation that like the manifestation of destiny kind of line. It's like yeah. he, he is a hundred percent on Ethan Hunt's team now because of just how badass Ethan was in rogue nation he did a lateral move. Some say a step down. <laughs> like, it's such a great little like character moment for Hunley. And then Angela Bassett, director Sloan, when she and uh, Walker show up, their little like announcement of their arrival, where she has Walker shut down the plane that Ethan's about to take off on. And there's that shot of Hunley and Ethan standing there, and the plane's engine shut down, and they go like. What? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Sloan walks up and is like, "This is actually the CIA's plane. Fuck you." Uh, that's a really great little like uh, assertion of her authority. And then Henry Cavill as Walker. This whole scene, Walker and Hunt don't even talk to each other, but you get the like setup of their rivalry through Angela Bassett being like, "You use a scalpel. I use a hammer." And, like, um, he, this is the guy that murdered all of the uh, apostles that we've gotten leads on. He just fucking murks them because he's just a murderer, basically. He's a hit assassin for the CIA. Um, and then there's stuff for leading up to the Halo jump. I really like it because it, there's two reasons why I like it. The first is it really character it illustrates the character of walker in that he's never done a halo jump before clearly he doesn't turn his oxygen on because and like he jumps out into a lightning storm because fuck it we got to do this job like uh. and he's a huge dick at the same time right and he does that your mission should you choose to accept it isn't that the thing line yeah. which is a lane line from the last movie and then, like, he's super arrogant. He thinks he's the best, and he is the best at the CIA. And and he has that dismissive line about uh, uh, people actually fall for the masks. He, like, doesn't <laughs> believe that anybody falls for that. Yeah. It's a uh, great setup for later. Uh, but he's just, he's never done a Halo jump, and he doesn't know what he's doing, but he's too too proud to be like, oh, hey, Ethan, can you, what's going on? My mask is fogging up. Uh, what, what? What's up with this? How do I halo jump? He's just, like, gonna do it. He was just gonna put the helmet on, not turn on his oxygen, and jump out of the fucking plane. <laughs> uh, and then also, the spoiler is for the other reason I kind of like it. Okay, hang on. Oh, wait, where's my <laughs> banner? Alright, go ahead, John. There's a spoiler <laughs> yeah. banner. Yeah, so the other reason I kind of like it, later on, we find out that 
excuse me. Later on, we find out that uh, uh, Walker is John Lark, right? He's the bad guy. And so there's this element to it that's like, how much of it is him actually being kind of incompetent? And how much is, of it is him intentionally kind of fucking shit up? Like, later when they're in, and this is jumping ahead a little bit, but when they have the fight in the bathroom, right? They kind of basically lose the fight in the bathroom. And, like, I was watching the movie with my brother, and he was like, wow, this guy from the CIA is a real rookie loser. And I was like, actually, he's probably throwing this fight. Like, he's probably making it look, throwing it, because he's, he's actually the bad guy, and he kind of doesn't want Lark to... The, the 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 guy they're fighting in the bathroom to die and so there's this element to all of the times that Walker fucks up that's like you kind of have to question whether or not it's having seen it now once and watching it again you question whether or not it's actually him fucking up and whether or whether he's just intentionally fucking around Alex do you think that the so he jumps out into lightning immediately, mm -hmm. and the way they shoot it is kind of, the way they shoot it kind of makes him look like an idiot too. He's like, "Wait, you afraid of a little lightning? Jump out, zap!" And then yeah, <clears throat> it just takes away my uh, intimidation factor for this guy a little bit. How do you feel about that? Um, I mean, I get that. Like every time I watch this scene, like the real visuals of the whole thing are so good that I'm almost like. Why did we even add the lightning? Like, I get we need this thing for uh, Tom Cruise to do a crazy aerobatic stunt to save Walker's life. But I'm just like, everything looks so gorgeous. And I'm like, I don't need this, like, CGI storm in there. Like, the halo jump in and of itself is incredible. Like, to back up a tiny bit, like, that oneer they do, the very first one, where it starts with Tom on the edge of the plane, he's noticed the lightning, and he, like, and again, it does good for characterizing the two of them. Whereas, like... Tom, or Ethan, I mean Tom Cruise as well, will do absolutely crazy things to accomplish a mission. But he's also, like, very safety conscious the whole time. He doesn't want to take unnecessary risk. Like, he, like, is playing that line the whole time. And so it sort of shows the difference between these two. Whereas, like, Ethan is, <clears throat> you know, he's going to do wild things, but because he knows he can, and he knows within, like, an, accept an acceptable amount of risk for the situation. Whereas Walker... Is like, I don't care at all. Like, I'm here. We're going to kill people, probably. That's what I'm here to do. You know, I'm an assassin. I'm the best. I'm big Henry Cavill. I played Superman. I'm going to jump out of this thing. Who cares? He played Superman in a Zack Snyder movie. Let's not forget that. Right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Snaps his neck. Right. Tell that to Zod's snap neck. I know. I will. After Lex like, brings him back. But he doesn't speak English anymore. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but so um, I got a little sidetracked. But yeah, but right. so that that whole oneer where they jump out and like the behind the scenes of it is nuts because like Tom Cruise has to in air like fly within three feet of the camera. Like they're falling. Like they they do the shot. The guy walks around. We see Walker pull Tom's oxygen or Ethan's oxygen. Ethan reattaches it and then jumps out. Does the flying squirrel? Another classic Mission Impossible, you know move yeah the whole you know got get it in all of them jeremy even got to do one in four you know so he got he got to he got to do a little bit of the uh the tom cruise stuff but not enough apparently better save then, it that's all you're gonna get yeah. <laughs> that's all you're gonna get <laughs> but then yeah just like 
right up next to him, then passes the camera, and like they do it in three different like long takes and just stitch them together. But still, it is just incredible from start to finish. But I do, I do get what you're saying. It like for me, I always read it as Walker is just like arrogant, but right. it does kind of like dumb him down compared to Ethan, you know, like, and as we'll see later, like Walker is very physically competent. And I agree with John and we'll get into that in the fight where it's like, he is kind of like intentionally fucking things up. But uh, the only other thing, which like, I think John kind of touched on, uh, Ethan's explaining their whole plan of like Halo jumping into the, uh, the Grand Pali or something like that. I don't remember the exact pronunciation of French. I'm very sorry to the entire French population, but uh <laughs> Yeah, so he uh, he scan he's like we're gonna borrow Lark's face, and he scans Henry Cavill, and it's like such good foreshadowing. That's also just like so quick that like only on rewatches are you like, oh damn, look at them! They're telling us exactly who Lark is right now. That's so exciting. But yeah, but then the whole that whole sequence um, from oh, and then the other part that I really like is the framing of the conversation between Hunley and uh, Erica Sloan, <clears throat> where. It's like them talking and you have Ethan and Walker like just behind them, slightly out of focus for most of it. But then as the conversation becomes more directly about Ethan and Walker, we cut to like their close-ups while uh, Sloan and Hunley are still talking. And it's just like, just top tier filmmaking. It's subtle, but it's so well done. I know, like McCory out there killing it. But yeah, but I like, again, I love the Halo sequence, especially that opening shot of the whole thing. Like it's all impressive. But, like, that first bit just chills every time. It, it's near it. perfect. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a feat of filmmaking. It cannot be oh, understated. Yeah. The only thing is just, yeah, the character stuff about um, uh, Henry Cavill's character. Uh, he's got so many fucking names. Lark, Walker, whatever you want to call it. Spoiler alert, yeah. Lark. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> he's a, uh, it just, it's to me that, oh, Tom is going to be able to outsmart this guy. So whenever the reveal mm. later, it's like, uh-oh, you're going to have to outsmart him. I'm like, well, yeah, okay. he, can, he can do that, <laughs> yeah. luckily. Yeah. Um, and it, <clears throat> are we ready to move? I'm just trying to think. I, I'm, I'm trying so hard not to cut anybody off. Are we ready to move on? Oh, I think we're good. Yeah, we can go into the whole club sequence. I'm so, I felt so bad after, after last fight. time whenever I just skipped right back. Right past John, and I'm like, I'm so hard. Not to... It's like Woo! you gotta balance it because I will talk about these movies for way too long. So and that's the thing. I know down. you guys are yeah. both very long-winded, so I'm like trying to walk a very tightrope of like, let's keep it moving, but also like, let's not cut anybody off and hurt anybody's feelings. Um, ah, well, we are all grown men closer to the 30 than 20. Just keep that in mind for the audience. Um, okay, um, we are at the bathroom action. Wow, look at that. Yeah, right here. Bathroom action. I'm going to read a couple of notes, actually. That's how this works. Bathroom action. Tom Cruise is starting to show his age. Rebecca, Rebecca Ferguson returns. Vanessa. I'm just reading him verbatim. Rebecca Ferguson returns. Vanessa Kirby is sexy. They have They have to extract Lane for, for plutonium. That's fun. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> hypothetical seek. The hypothetical sequence gets dark. Ethan must be up to something. Walker tells the CIA he suspects Lane Hunt Hunt is Lark. Having Lark and Lane, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. That's too confusing for me. He suspects that Hunt is Lane. So there's a lot there in that section. Starting off with the big bath sequence, Rebecca Ferguson returns. We get introduced to Vanessa Kirby. And then, you know, the we, we, could, we, could, we could take it bit by bit. But, uh, uh, John, what do you think of all that stuff? Uh, I mean, the, the whole bar bathroom sequence is really cool 
uh, I mean, they like they the bar has these RFID tags, right? That everybody has to wear, and it gets them access into certain areas. And Lark has a VIP RFID tag in, on his bracelet, so they have his tag number, and so they have an app on their phone because they don't know what Lark looks like. So they have an app right. on their phone that lets them like track down where he is in this crowd. And so there's this whole period where they're like walking through this this like dance club, looking at their phone, narrowing in on where he is. And then they find out that he's in the bathroom. And then so they have to go into the bathroom and then they have to figure out who in the bathroom he is. So they split up and it's this like huge, super clean, stark white bathroom. And they have to walk past everybody and kind of go like, okay, not that guy, and move. And then they like narrow it down to which one is Lark. And then they have to try and move in on him to get him to subdue him so they can make a mask. But yeah. then a guy goes to the sink next to him. And so there's that moment where they're all at the, the row of sinks, kind of like <laughs> looking at various things. And it's uh, just like great tension that leads immediately into the fight. And the fight is so cool. The guy that plays the Lark decoy. Yeah, uh, Yang. Yang. Yeah, he's so good. He kicks the shit out of both of them. And I fucking oh. love that he beats them yeah. both up. He's apparently a wushu master. I just want to throw this in. And was a, you're going to love this, Sam, was a Praetorian guard in The Last Jedi. <laughs> this movie is better than that movie. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I do like this more than I like The Last Jedi. Mm. Only by a little, though, right? Yeah, only by a little. This guy. Why not go here for Daisy Ridley? I hope she sees this, bro. <laughs> I don't give a shit about Daisy Ridley. I hope Ryan Johnson sees this. <laughs> <laughs> I saw. Oh, I'm not. I can't say this bit. I'll tell it to you off screen. Uh, there's something I have to say, but it's it's too specific. It would it would call the person out, and I was going to be mean, so I can't do it. Go ahead though. Whoever was. Yeah, I think we you interrupted John though, right? I did. I just wanted to throw out the thing about him being a Wushu master and Praetorian guard. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, get, the, get the bits in. <laughs> Right. He, I love how he takes a beating, but he still fucks him up. And there's that bit where he like pulls the pipe out of the wall, and it's got a U bend in it, and so he uses it to like hook uh, um, Walker's neck and throw him, and he uses it to hook Ethan's arm. And, like he just uses the environment really well. And then, and Walker has that bit where he fucking shotgun cocks his arms. <laughs> And every time and that oh, was in the trailer, so and that made me want to see it in theaters. It's not as ridiculous. So I've seen it before out of context because I haven't seen the trailers, but I've just seen like gifs of that. And oh yeah, it, it looks it looks ridiculous out of context, but in the it, like in a progression, like in a like a sequence of shots, it doesn't look that. It's not that weird. It's no, just him, it, like, oh, put him yeah. up, bro. You know, but it he just makes sense. He's like, like just his sleeves, but it is so funny. Just like. <laughs> Huffs himself up and 
you're just like that. I don't know why, but that was one of the most badass things I've ever seen. And it's so, it's so badass. <laughs> and they look so good in that. I mean, this is me, just the, the the costume design and everything, the production design. Henry Cav, the, the Henry Cavill and the multi million dollar mustache. They look great. <laughs> His haircut. He's got like a little bit more of a fade on the sides and like a chop, like more, like sh- shorter sides than whenever he's playing Superman. So he just and he's longer on the top. And it's in this fight, it's like starting to go down a little bit, you know. And then he's got the the he takes off his jacket oh it's just the the costume is very costume design is great henry cavill's he should be a movie star the fact that they cat recast him with some guy from a fucking netflix series fuck that <laughs> god damn it this is gonna be uh, a clip about sam's homoerotic rant about dc cast recasting <laughs> henry cavill okay go ahead john what'd you think about the rest of that stuff uh rebecca ferguson comes back right ilsa returns that's great. Uh, she shoots the Lark decoy in the head, uh, <laughs> and they can't make the mask of him now. So that we, you know, and they couldn't really make a mask of him before because Ethan doesn't stab him with the knockout needle. And so uh, Walker takes the computer that they're going to use to make the mask and bashes him in the head with it, and it fucks up the computer. <laughs> um which is another element that's like, did he intentionally fuck that up because he's dirty and he's trying to make it more difficult and he actually wants Ethan to pose as Lark so that he can then say to Angela Bassett, hey, Angela Bassett, it's Ethan Hunt. Like, or is he just kind of an idiot and brute force beats people up? It's hard Works to both say. Ways. Yeah. both ways. Um... And then they, it, I fucking love, there's like a recurring joke where Walker introduces himself to people yeah. and they do not give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm Walker. <laughs> Nobody cares. Yeah. And it's Ilsa and Benji that do it. I love that he introduces himself to Benji later and Benji's like, great, fuck off. <laughs> it was a little car your idea. <laughs> It's, I love this. This movie is so. It's amazing to me how some movies can be so self-aware of how an audience may or may not embrace a new character, and like they're they're basically having Ben, all the cast of characters that we know and love, say to this new guy, "Who the fuck are you? We don't give a shit about yeah. you." Yeah. Whereas uh, lesser movies that don't understand their audience would introduce a new character and say, "Hey, this is Indiana Jones's goddaughter. Goddaughter, you should love her, even though she's an asshole." Fuck that movie. Yeah. Anyways, he ain't part of the IMF. He's just some CIA stooge. <laughs> All right, uh, John. Did you think Vanessa Kirby was sexy in the movie? Yeah, I mean, they did a great job of picking an actress who kind of looks like Max from the first... Because she's Max's daughter from the first movie. Right. Max is from the first movie. Vanessa Kirby plays Max's daughter who inherited the arms trade business after Max passed, I guess. And she covers her arms trading by spending a bunch of their fortune on charity work. Uh, And so she's got this... The, 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 her code name is the White Widow, and when she's on stage, she's got a white dress with a big spider kind of brooch clip thing, whatever that's called. Um, yeah, I yeah, she's hot. And then, but you know, I her her dynamic towards Ethan, 
I get it. It's not my like particular style, but I understand why she's doing it and why they're doing it in the movie and why her character would do it that way and why some people might find it attractive. <laughs> you saying you don't find Wait, you just did like a double speak, I feel like. Did you I, just... So I, I'm saying I find her physically attractive as an actress and in the dress that she's wearing and all that shit. But she she plays her character is doing this like I like danger and bad guys and 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 I find evil attractive and also I'm okay. dangerous myself kind of yeah. thing. And I'm just saying that I like Ilsa's character more. Because she's a badass and also not evil. Bro, I am ch- I am picking Vanessa Kirby over. <laughs> well, you like bad girls, man. That's... I can fix her. That's my pro- That's my problem. I can fix her. I feel like we should. I feel like yeah. I have too many notes in this one. Multi-millionaire arms dealer Sam can fix her. <laughs> that's the thing too. Who has more financial security, Ilsa or the multi-million arms dealer? Come on. Yeah, but look for the multi-million dollar. Arm stealer, you got to deal with her brother, and he's a shithead yeah. who's gonna fucking murder Zola. you in your sleep. Yeah. What's uh, like the, cr- I the love crazy? What's the is it? Uh, what do they call it? the crazy scale? The cr- the hot no the hot to crazy meter or the hot to crazy scale? Like how does she? We have to do the math and figure out where she is <laughs> on the hot to crazy scale. But like I said, I think there's too many notes on this one section, so I'm gonna I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna pull an audible and bring Alex in on this one because I wanna before I move on. To getting your guys' thoughts on the rest of the, you know, the, like the hypotheticals. I just want to bring you in, uh, Alex, and what do you think of this this fun action sequence? If there's anything more you want to say about this, I do think Star- Tom Cruise is starting to show his age. Rebecca Ferguson re- returns, and you got to pick mm-hmm. between Vanessa Kirby and Rebecca Ferguson. <laughs> okay. Uh, what? Uh, yeah, I mean, like the whole, like the Grand Palais or whatever it is, that whole set is just gorgeous. And like John was saying, it's fun seeing them like not be able to hear anything, but trying to communicate while they're looking for Lark. And then yeah. they find him in the bathroom. And again, that whole fight scene is just great. And like, I think I think they play with like Tom Cruise getting older and Ethan getting older really well, where he does those moments where he's like waiting on a knee for a second. He's like, just give me, I, you know, yeah. and like Lee and Yang, just like, again, just tearing him up. And like, you get the great little bit, especially with like Tom Cruise having the needle uh, and Henry Cavill then smacking him in the head with the computer. Just like a great little visual beat of the differences between them, like the hammer versus the scalpel, where like Ethan's trying to go in and like tactically like take this guy out so they can extract him. Where as wow. soon as that has a moment of not going well, Henry Cavill's just like, yeah, fuck this. And that's a great point. Yeah, like it, like again, it's like so all of it's really well designed. The whole fight is great, and like John pointed out, the actor playing uh, the decoy lark is just a powerhouse in this scene. I mean, he gets thrown through a fucking mirror and then gets up and whoops <laughs> their asses. Like, Henry Cavill just, like, over the shoulder, throws her through this glass, he hits the sink, falls on the ground, and just pulls the pipe out. And he's like, okay, fuck you, I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. And I love the quick beat. Uh, we get to see it twice um, of Henry Cavill, like, after he reloads his arms like they're guns. He goes up and he has, like, a quick, like, boxing match with him, and you get the wonderful, like, hit, dodge, hit, and then they cut and they show that exact move again just to like fully get that action in there. It's like an old Jackie Chan style thing where you show the action twice. And it's just like, it's one of the best fight scenes I think in the series of like the hand-to-hand combat stuff. Mm-hmm. It's so well done. And then um, I love when Rebecca Ferguson comes back 
And like, you know, we joked about like Walker introduced himself. He says nothing. I love the little beat with all the blood on the floor and the other guys coming into the bathroom and she just instantly like grabs his head like it's a nosebleed. And Tom yeah. Cruise like, you want some? What the fuck you want? And I'm like, oh yeah. shit, get the fuck yeah. out of here. <laughs> and then uh, also the little beat where Elsa's like, you got to get out of here. You don't understand what you're involved in. And Ethan's like, I don't understand what I'm involved in. I don't understand what I'm involved in. What am I involved in? Like, <laughs> he, like, has his moment. And then he's also like, Ash, you're competent, and I trust you. So, like, maybe I actually don't know what I'm involved in. It's a good little character bait for them. And then um, one thing they also mentioned in the commentary was, like, they want to treat every Mission Impossible movie like it's the first one you've seen. So I love, we get a, like, a wonderful, like, we get their full relationship dynamic, and they're walking in to the White Widow's, like, back area where she's up on stage with mm-hmm. Ethan just being like, you should have stayed out of the game. And also being like, you should have come with me. And like instantly, yeah. we know they have a past. We know that like they care about each other and the dynamic that like he helped her get out, but now she's back and that's throwing Ethan off his game. Uh, like all of that stuff is really solid. Uh, Natalie Kirby is gorgeous. And like, I mean, they're both gorgeous. I love them both. I'm not going to pick You mean Vanessa there. Kirby? Yeah, sorry. I keep mixing up names. I know a Natalie Kirby, and I because Kirby's there, I keep like defaulting to that. Vanessa Kirby is gorgeous. Gordian Slip. Oh my yeah. God. Uh, she's wonderful in this movie. Rebecca Ferguson also gorgeous, wonderful in this movie. But the thing with Vanessa Kirby's Kirby's White Widow character, it's like not only is she attracted to danger, but like she's treating uh, Ethan like she owns him as it goes on. Like it's it's like both that kind of attraction to danger, but also like ah, you belong to me. You are trapped in my world. Like she brings them deeper into like a separate part of the whole club, and then later they go to the compound, and then like later, like like all of it is like still just her like flexing her power and control over the situation that Ethan has to do what she wants. So like like that whole dynamic I really like, and then I, like we learn later that she's not a total bad guy. You know, she's like Max. Uh, an arms dealer with a heart of gold. She plays all as sides. They say. Yeah. And, and and we should point out she does return. And Vanessa Kirby mm-hmm. will return in Dead Reckoning Part 1, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Also, oh, I, I really like, we didn't talk about it in the bar scene. We got distracted by whether or not Vanessa Kirby oh, yeah. is that. <laughs> but that whole bar scene is, uh, like, inside that little fancy VIP area is really well done. So we... Ilsa tells Ethan that there are people here to kill Lark, and they also don't know what he looks like. So if Ethan poses as Lark and goes in there and meets uh, the White Widow, they'll think he's Lark and try and murder him. Okay. And so he goes in there, and immediately there's like guys in the crowd glaring at him because they're wow. planning to kill him. And he turns it into, they're, hey, look around the bar. There's people here to kill you. I'm the only person that can get you out because you have something I want. And then Vanessa Kirby looks around the bar and sees the people glaring at him. And then he goes, I know what you're thinking. Maybe they're not here for you. Maybe they're here for me. But can you take that risk? And then she kind of has to go, no, I can't take that risk because if they're here to kill me, I don't want to die. And then the first guy tries to stab Ethan and he like jumps in front of her so that it looks like the guy is trying to stab her and he's defending her. And then the whole fight turns into them fighting those guys that are there to kill Lark and Ethan making it look like they're there to kill the White Widow, which is just this really smooth play that Ethan does. 
because he's a badass. He's so yeah. I also I also love that like at first she's kind of like taken aback, but then she eventually pulls out a knife and stabs one of the dudes, and she like mm-hmm. looks at him like oh, I'm a badass too. I can hang, you know. <laughs> it's all a bunch of good character work. And then Ilsa takes out that guy with the gun by doing that real quick leg grab around his neck and mm-hmm. knocking him out, and then she just gets up and walks away. Uh, that's really cool. And then Lark is in, or uh, not Lark, well, I guess he well, is yeah. Lark, but Walker <laughs> is in there, too. Yeah. He, like, because there's one last guy, and Walker just shows up and knocks him out. <laughs> so I get the feeling that Walker just beat up all the other people outside and then came in. Like he's still kind of sweaty and disheveled. Yeah, <laughs> they're walking out of the of the club, and I expected to see like the guards, the doormen, unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been a fun shot. But he probably just had a RFID tag to get just in. Took someone else, just found someone in the crowd. Well, I mean, he's he is Lark, so he probably right. just had another code, mm. another tag to get in if he really wanted to. Yeah. He didn't have to knock him out. And we don't see their unconscious bodies, so he probably didn't knock him out. To be clear, you guys are both choosing Rebecca Ferguson over Vanessa Kirby. I'm not yes, making a choice. I this know. is a fight between you. <laughs> Alex chooses not to choose. I have never felt more vindicated in my choice of introducing you the way that I did, except for I whenever well, I, I was leaning into the bit. Game. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Don't even trip, dog. All right. We we have we are fifty-three minutes into the stream and we're on my first of three pages of notes. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. It's a long movie, a lot of good stuff. I'm just saying, we're gonna have to start like it make All sure right. it's speed it's running. <laughs> needs to be said. Okay. <laughs> uh, they have to extract lane for the plutonium. Uh, the hypothetical sequence with Ian is with Ethan is dark. Mu- Ethan must be up to something. Walker tells the CIA that he suspects Hunt is Lark. Alex, do you want to chime in on those things or maybe clarify something for the audience? Whatever you want to say about those notes. Yeah, so, I mean, like like I established earlier, like, Ethan's getting drawn into this world. And what I like about that whole scene at their compound is, like, in all of, almost all of the shots, like, Ethan is either has, like, more of her henchmen behind him, he's got walls behind him. Like, there's no exit for Ethan in this room. Like, he's being pulled in. And I also like that we get... The reveal after this that like he's the only one that didn't know that they were going to have to spring lane like we find out that sloan knew that that no. uh, ilsa knew that like everyone knew this except ethan like this is like when he's still on the back foot for the whole thing well that's because um, he doesn't know what he's involved in we've right. just seen lane at the beginning of the movie but i don't think we've seen him again until this Mm-mm. point so it's yeah. like oh wait we are going to check in on the bad guy from the last movie he's the feast from the last movie so that yeah. that was fun for me as an audience member sorry go ahead oh no yeah it it's it's all great and then i love the uh like that hypothetical cuz like in all of the mission impossible movies we get that scene where they're planning it and we're seeing that plan take place but this time Instead of like hearing that this what they're planning, it cuts in a way that makes you think that this is what's happening. Yeah. And apparently, when they were shooting this in Paris, uh, like the paparazzi were showing up on the other side of the river, so they shot the scene we see later first. And then when they went back and shot the one where he they murder everyone, they put up like a giant silk screen to block. So that's part of why the light looks like that. It gave it that like dreamy look because they didn't want like it being in the press and like, oh, this is the movie where Ethan just murders a bunch of people. You know, yeah. So like they wanted to have this scene because like it's again, we're stepping into this world. Ethan's more out of control 
and like we're playing with like his worst fears of like being forced to like you know go back to movie one like zero body count is like ethan's main thing and so he does it like he'll do it in crazy elaborate way but he just doesn't want to kill anybody that doesn't isn't bad or doesn't like absolutely have to die so i love that we get to see this in his worst fear and then like that cut back in of him like we just kill everyone and then he tries to like spin it back by like well what's my guarantee that lane walks out alive and i love zola's just like he's in an armored box we'll take him out when it's safe like <laughs> what are you worried about <laughs> and so all of that stuff um all of those beats are really good uh was there anything else you wanted me uh, to touch on walker is uh he tells the cia he suspects that. oh right yeah and then i uh i do like that scene with walker and sloan it reminds me again of when in one um the like ethan's mentor is like explaining why he thinks that you know Kittredge went bad and did all of this stuff, and it's clearly him just projecting. And we get another wonderful beat of that where Walker's, you know, <clears> trying continuing to sell that it's Ethan, which we find out later that like he has to sell that it's Ethan for his own plan to go through. Like that's you know, but I also love that like you get that of him being like, how many times has he been cast aside? How long has it been before a man like that, and he composes himself, has had enough? Like he's himself getting worked up. And like describing why someone would turn because he's you know been turned and clearly hates you know he's just a just a bad dude so i think henry cavill really nails that scene and then you know we get the fun you're paying attention the phone's not broken oh no he's a bad guy so you know it's good stuff and john at this point in the show you're always welcome to punt if you just want to say yep good notes sam moving on uh but if you would you like to say anything about they have to extract lane for the plutonium it is a fun reveal bad guy from the last movie hypothetical sequence is very dark ethan's got to be up to something walker tells the cia that he thinks that hunt is lark go ahead john yeah uh i like i like the the scene in the in the compound i guess uh it's fine uh, the the hypothetical is really cool. I I really like how it's shot. I like the score is kind of like uncomfortable and unsettling. And Ethan is like behind all of the bad guys that are murdering all the cops, yeah. and he's not actually killing anybody. So yeah. he's just there trying not to actually be involved. And then in the last the last cop, he has to shoot because the last cop tries to shoot at him. And then there's that scene where he walks up and he takes off his mask because, and it's like, you feel how much Ethan doesn't want to do it, but then he has to do it because all the other guys in masks come up and just look at him. And then he shoots the cop and then it cuts back and he's like, oh, so we just kill everybody. I don't want to do that. <laughs> and you're like, oh, thank goodness. Like, yeah. you feel relieved mm -hmm. that he didn't have to do that. Yes. How Again, fucking with... dark would the movie be afterward if the hypothetical was what actually happened? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Spend the whole rest of the movie with Ethan having had just shot a cop in the face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, half the audience would have liked it, you know, post-2020. <laughs> uh, and then this conversation with uh, Sloan and Walker is super well done. I mean, Alex talked about most of the specifics that I liked. Um yeah, it's super well done. I like that Sloan Walker says you've long expected that Lark was a, you, an American agent, someone who knew all of our moves and everything. But at the same time, the dialogue implies that she never suspected it was Hunt. Because mm -hmm. even though she's like, he's a scalpel and the IMF is stupid, she never 
even entertained the idea that Hunt was the bad guy until Walker planted the idea. I just think I think that's cool. Uh, and the set that they're on is really cool. It's in John Wick Four. There's a lot of set connections when they're in Paris that are in John Wick Four. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the John Wick movies after the first one. I feel like I should catch up though. I I feel like that's another yeah. good. We'll have to do that. Hey, uh, no, no. I'm taking a break. <laughs> taking a break after this. Okay. Oh, I cannot wait. Anyways, okay. Extraction. The extraction sequence gives uh, the Dark Knight vibes uh, whenever mm-hmm. uh, Harvey Dent is being transported and uh, the Joker wants to... Ext- what a great sequence. Now in my head, I'm just like, that's fun. <laughs> I want to watch that now. Uh, Lane uh, got better at holding his breath after the last movie. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. That took out of the time. park. Out of the park. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> a great plan. Uh, dash. Things going wrong. What does that mean? I don't know. Ensuing <laughs> chase gives Dark Knight Rises vibes. Because then, oh yeah, because then that's a great sequence. I've forgotten most of it. But then I remember Ethan, Ethan's got all of the like Italian police or whatever after him. It's so good. And I was like, it reminded me of the Dark Knight Rises whenever Batman has all of the, the Gotham a PD after him, but this might be better. Except at the end, <clears throat> the extraction, the escape, is su- it feels a little lucky whenever he goes down at that. Why did I hold up my notes? The, the, street, uh, the, the escape feels uh, a little lucky whenever he uh, goes through the hole, if I remember correctly. He goes through like a little hole and then he goes down to the water where Benji and Luther are waiting for him. Um, I guess. I wrote down GTA vibes, you know, because if you if you play Grand Theft Auto Five, and you get if you buy one of the correct, uh, remember whenever I said we're speed running, if you buy one of the <laughs> if you buy one of the correct, sure. if you buy one of the correct contractors for one of the missions, he knows a shortcut in one of the escapes, and you escape the the cops like that. It's like you go from a like a five star rating to a zero star because he takes a like a turn in a tunnel. And I was like, how lucky in that game when I played it. And that's what it felt like in this movie. So um, there's a lot to say there. The extraction gives Dark Knight vibes. Len got better at holding his breath. Ethan's great plan dash things going wrong. Alex, do you know what I mean by that? Let's throw it to you as, yep. I, as I talk about <laughs> Extraction gives Dark Knight vibes. Everything up to yeah. the escape from Ethan's escape from the police. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, had, I remember having that feeling when I saw this one in theaters. This one felt like, because McQuarrie, when he came back, wanted to not have it feel like Rogue One. He wanted to have, or not Rogue One, Rogue Nation. <laughs> yeah, I know. God, man, I'm all over the place. But anyway, he wanted to not have it feel exactly, he wanted to keep the vibe of like each movie has a different director style going. So he brought on new, uh, a new cinematographer, all of that stuff. And this one, it felt like at this point, he was really emulating Nolan. Like that whole sequence building up. I really, like it gives very much that Dark Knight vibe sequence. And I like, the one of the biggest things I love about this whole thing is like, so we've seen, the bad plan, and now we're like, okay, what's Ethan going to do? And the music is just helping build that tension so well. Like, we get Lane being brought in. We get, we, we're watching the truck get close. Ethan and Walker have that fun conversation where Walker's like, ah, did he really do this? And he's like, yeah. Did he really do this? Yeah. And he's like, listen, Walker, if it makes your skin crawl, he did it. it and, yeah. like, Walker's, like, excited about that. He's like, oh, shit, you're the one who caught him. And, 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 you know, uh, just, like, all of that little stuff is so good. It's, like, a wonderful little back and forth between them, still building up that kind of rivalry. And, like, as we're now suspecting that, like, we don't know for sure yet that uh, Walker is Lark, but, like, we know that he's not good because he's, you know, framing 
Ethan. So we're getting that whole tension building there. And then <clears throat> just the score as the convoy is coming down and you're just sitting there wondering, like, okay, what are we going to do different? How, how is this going to change? And then Ethan just rams the armored car off the side into the water. And we get that wonderful shot as it's going on where, like, the camera's locked on at a yes. tilted angle and the water's coming around towards Lane. Like, every time. Ah, oh, so good. Yeah, and he's just sitting there. He's like, oh, yeah, I got to do this. I got to hold my breath. This is really bad. I, I love all of that stuff. And then we, we get a backing out. All the guys get dumped out the back. They're driving away in this big truck in a fun chase scene. They got to drive down this tiny alley. They get stuck in there. And then, like, so their motorcycles are there. So they had a plan, but then Ethan's won't start. So, like, you're getting that same thing of, like, the technology is letting it down. Oh, or did Walker sabotage? Uh, not sure. It's hard to know. There's a lot of little moments where you're like, is this bad luck? Is this the fact that the bad guy's working with them the whole time? I know. It's crazy. Which leads to probably my favorite chase in the franchise i absolutely love this motorcycle stuff. like just because it's like almost everything is practical like there's like there's probably some sweetening of vfx but like he's really driving through paris on cobblestone streets like whipping around no helmet and it is just like breakneck speeds going around i love like the build up he's got to go down into like the tunnel and then that car comes out stops what like the cop car following him he gets back up and then he's headed for the arc de triomphe and, like, they only had, like, two hours they were allowed to film there. Like, they never, like, France never shuts down the Arc de Triomphe for filming. But they let him do it one morning. And, like, that's what they got was just him, like, weaving through traffic and doing all that. It is just, uh, like, edge of my seat every time. It's just gorgeous. It's ridiculous. You know, you got a motorcycle camera, one car camera, and then Ethan or Tom just driving through. I mean, like, stunt drivers, but still, like, just nuts that they were doing all of this practically. And then again, like the other great shot where he comes down and like the camera spins around him and you see cops coming from every angle. And then he heads over there and then just right at the end gets launched off his motorcycle and you're like, oh no. And it does feel a little bit lucky, but you know, the IMF team is a super team. He called Benji. He's like, I need an extraction. And instantly Benji's like, all right, I got you. Just whips the boat around. Uh, I also love, like that really was Simon Pegg that scuba dived in to get Lane out of the armor box. He got his, like Tom Cruise is rubbing off on him. He got his rave either license so we were joking about how uh, next movie he's gonna need to learn how to fly a helicopter he's just we're gonna get simon Pegg to slowly keep up with tom cruise learning all of these things who would have but, uh, simon Pegg too i know he's oh. committed and he's great in these movies i love all of that little stuff uh and you know just it's just super fun and then you know we get to the garage and we'll leave it there we'll let john well, take and it. if i just want to interject the reason it feels so lucky is because he crashes the motorcycle at right. the end of the chase yeah. the very end of the chase he crashes the motorcycle and it just so happens to be right where he needed to go mm -hmm. anyway and yeah and, and so i'm like a little bit like it, it, whatever okay whatever mm -hmm. they've earned it at this point i mean like yeah to, to pull it off you know six movies into a franchise that's had what four great movies before this of the five I'm talking shit on Mission Impossible 2 again, John. Um, <laughs> uh, love it. Love it. All right. That being said, John, what did you think of all this? Let's just to remind you where we are. We talk about the extraction. We saw the dark sequence. Now we start with what Ethan actually does. All the surprises there leading us up through. I just I do love how Alex kind of was talking about it. Influences from Christopher Nolan are there. And that makes me like it a little bit more. And the, the progression is so good, John. The progression from him having to extract uh, Lane to on the motorcycle that all the cops and everything. What did you think of it, though? I, I mean, I love this whole sequence. They, like, the 
um, they tip over the truck in the intersection. And the one motorcyclist stops and is like waving everybody down this really a terrible decision to take that route. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that's fine. Cops are idiots. But, <laughs> uh, you know, like the, the plan is going off exactly the way that Max, ex, or not Max, the White Widow planned it, right? So you're like, Ethan doesn't go, no, we're doing it a different way and changes the plan. He goes along with the plan and then just does something different. Yeah. And you get that little moment where uh, the brother is like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love all the guys in the back of the truck, like flop, flopping back and forth and then sliding out the back and getting arrested. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy. He rams Lane's car into the river and then just leaves. And if you're like, what the? F okay, he's just killing Lane then. <laughs> and then they they bust him out of the out of the truck after he's underwater. Um, and then that the whole chase scene is really cool for all the reasons that you guys said it was really cool. But I kind of love that shot after he crashes where he's just like. He, he's running real slow because he's limping and he just kind of like goes a little faster and a little faster and then he just jumps over the hedge and all the cops yeah. <laughs> come into the, into the shot and like rush up there and it's such a funny like that's the kind of shit that you do out of desperation. You jump into the bushes because you're running from the cops and you're fucked and just getting in cover anywhere and then it turns out that actually that was their plan and he cut his way through the net and Benji and Luther were down there the whole time. Um, it does. It absolutely feels uh, convenient that that's where he hits a car, especially given that he drives through like five intersections. Yeah, he's, and he's every time he everything. goes through an intersection, yeah. it's like right past him. Yeah, uh, he just happens and, to look back this time and then. Mm -hmm. But I, in my head canon, I'm like in my head canon. I'm like it, he's think he's probably thinking, all right, I'm already, I'm, I'm about there. Are they going to catch me? Will I have enough time to make this escape? And so that's why he looked back. But that's me, yeah. you know, I don't know if that's me writing yeah, I think the movie it for it or what. It makes sense. And also it's a yeah. tight intersection. Like yeah. it it would make sense that he wouldn't have seen that car coming. Yeah. He's, got, he's paying attention to a lot of shit. It's a tight blind turn and they just pam. Who has The CGI is right a little weird um, <laughs> when he does the flip. Yeah, I'm yeah. always kind of like, oh, oh, every time it happens, because, I'm like, oh, that's so different. Yeah. They did, like, have him on a thing that, like, launched him a bit, but then I guess mm -hmm. they, like, had to sweeten it up because it does look just, especially, I think it's because it's the CG's also out of focus, so it mm -hmm. makes it look a little off. Because I, I feel that same Probably. thing every time I see it. But he was, like, legitimately launched a bit. Like, that, that final bit of the role is from a real, like, yeah, we're going to put you on a catapult and sling you over this thing. And maybe Ooh. it's uh, maybe another part of it is that shift from the CG body flying through the air to him really landing. That mm. kind of like maybe just that shift makes my eyes go like, oh, you know. Mm. But it's it's one of those things that happens so quickly. It's like the one CG thing where I'm kind of like, uh, I'm like, it's like, ah, yeah, whatever. You get that one, Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At least they didn't try and CG his face and then leave leave his uh, leave the voice of an eighty year old man with him. <laughs> 
<laughs> for the entire first yeah. 20 minutes. That'll be Mission film. Impossible, uh, like 76 or something. Mission Impossible and the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> or the Bile of Disney. That's what I called it. That's a fun, I, I, I was pretty proud of that. Nobody else, I typed it Check in. Check it Google. out. Nobody else YouTube it. Thank you, for, thank you, Alex. But I was yeah. just applauding my, my title, my, uh, my writing skills. You know, hey, I'm a writer. I'm not, I, I should, I'm not going to touch the writer. Yeah, fuck you, Gutfeld. <laughs> thank you. Should have hired Sam, damn it. You piece of shit. I was for looking many at many reasons, but mostly this one. I was I was looking at I was looking at apartments in Hoboken anyway, and 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 and, and, and all that stuff. Not anymore. <laughs> Ethan, is, Ethan is such a good guy. Consistently, I don't know the context mm. for that note. For the, for that <laughs> Rebecca, I Ferguson, got you. Don't even trip. Rebecca Ferguson is still morally gray. A BMW versus a motorcycle is fun. Ethan's a great driver. Lane says barely anything. I noticed that. Examining Lane's motives and ideology more. I liked this film examines his motives and ideology more. He seemed a little bit, you know, I mean, his motives were a little thin in the last movie. This movie really fleshes them out. I like that. Uh, your pathetic morality. That's the theme of the movie. He says that. Ethan protects his cover with Vanessa Kirby well. This is the line that I think is going to piss you guys off, the note that I have. Now Vanessa Kirby wants Ethan to kill Rebecca Ferguson. I'd do it for her. <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson's motives. <laughs> you know, that doesn't sound like you changing her, Sam. Yeah. That sounds like her changing you. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know you were such a simp for Vanessa Kirby. <laughs> I watched The Crown. Did you guys see The Crown on Netflix? It was I haven't seen it. She I haven't played, seen it. I've heard it's really good. She played Princess Margaret. There are some of my those are some of my most high performing videos on my YouTube channel. I, I randomly did recaps of the of The Crown in 2016. People <laughs> nice. loved it. So I am actively working on a video essay about The Crown. Um, nice. uh, anyways, uh, Rebecca Ferguson's uh, motives: reversion or continuation. Anyways, who, who did we leave off with? John, did we leave off with you? I, yes. Okay, so I'm going to throw it at Alex then, right? So I'm just trying to remember the order. Uh, so everything, Ethan's a good guy all the way through Rebecca Ferguson's motives. That doesn't make any sense. Do you want to talk about this next section? <laughs> yeah, I got it. I know what we're talking about. Uh, so yeah, so we get, you know, we get the lane. Uh, we get him up. We're headed to the small car for them to, you know, they're, they're, they're like low profile cars so they can escape. And like in the commentary, they were talking about how much they love that little car. They called the color retirement green, just a little BMW, like something they're like something your like your grandfather would drive, you know, just to get groceries and stuff. But still had enough power to like skid around. But yeah, so they're they're taking it out of the garage, uh, and right there is like a traffic cop, like a beat, you know, just writing parking tickets. This French lady cop is just right there, and Ethan's like, just walk away, please, just walk away. And I love how they build the tension by showing, getting that close-up of uh, Walker pulling out a gun. Like, he is ready to just, if she tries too much, he's just going to kill her. And as we know, Ethan wants Oh, I know exactly count. what you're talking about. I love this scene. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And then, so, like, we're getting that tension built, and then it's cut by Zola's men showing up and shooting the cop. And then they're like, Zola wants a word with you. And then one of them's like, what do we do about her? And he's like, kill her. So the guy's walking up. And it's just like building up the tension. You're just getting the sound of like a train going over. 
And then right before he shoots, Ethan quick draws and takes out all four of them. And we get this wonderful shot of Henry Cavill's uh, Walker just like nodding in approval at Ethan, like being a quick draw and actually killing people. He's like, oh, shit. Yeah, you you are. You're kind of cool. I got respect. Game recognized game. And then so, you know, he we radio the cops. Lady cops going to be fine. They get in the car. They're driving away. And I love, it's another beat of like Walker introducing himself and nobody caring. Like he sits next to Benji and he's like, hi, I'm Walker, by the way. And Benji's just like, was the little car your idea? Because he's sitting between <laughs> Ving Rames and Henry Cavill, <laughs> well, Simon Pegg. And then so we're driving along and then we get Rebecca Ferguson up and she shoots to try it because you'll find out later. She's like sent to kill Lane. And then we get an excellent, like all sound effects. There's no music going on in this chase of like them whipping the BMW car around, like Tom Cruise is just, he's just killing it. And like in one of the behind the scenes, someone asked the stunt coordinator, he's like, hey, who do you get to drive for the stunts, the stunts that Tom can't drive for? And the guy's like, oh, no, nah, Tom's the best driver I got. Like, <laughs> he's, he's the best one on the set. And I just love all of this. I love like the sound effects. You're just hearing it skid around. Uh, the shot where he's coming down, like it, like he drives past a little cafe, and then he's like, there's a bunch of stairs. And he just e breaks it, and the back of the car shoots off the end. It just lands, and he takes off again. Like ah, it's so sick. It's such a cool move. And then you get the quick standoff between Ilsa and Ethan, where like they look at each other and they both pause for a minute, and then like she goes to shoot at Lane, and Ethan has to like. Rammer, but you, you get him like slowing down to like cushion her fall as she keeps going. Like he hits her, gets her up, but he makes sure that she doesn't fall straight to the asphalt. Like she hits the back of the car. And then, yeah, you get Lane just being like, that was Ilsa. How interesting. It's good to see you, Ethan. And he's just like, shut up. And then, uh, so yeah, then we get to the scene in the tunnels where they're going to take the tracker out of Lane's neck. And we, yeah, we get one of my favorite parts where you get Ethan and Lane back, you know, facing off, you know, like Ethan's trying to intimidate him and Lane again, like just hitting the, hitting all the trailer lines, as we would say. And he's like, Sean Harris is like, like going big here, which I love because he's pretty subdued for most of it. But then he's like the fallout of all your good intentions, you know, and like even Benji is like, oh, what about strapping me to a chair? And he just looks up, he's like, consider it unfinished business, my funny little friend. And you're just like, woo, chills, man. He is, he's out to kill Benji. Both Solomon Lane and apparently Sean Harris. I'm um, coming back. He asked them. He's like, "Can I kill Benji in this movie?" <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. But uh, so that whole that whole little scene between them is fantastic, and I love how uh, I forget the exact thing. He says something like that: uh, "The fallout of all your good intentions," or something that was like in Ethan's dream. Uh, and like Ethan's like looking around and then he looks back and you can see that Ethan is a little bit shaken by this, that like Lane is like hitting on like Ethan's subconscious of the same yeah. things that Lane was saying earlier. And like, so that whole little dynamic of Ethan still being a little on the back foot and terrified of what Lane is capable of, I think is really good. And then, um, like you said, like Ethan covers really well. He's got to go back to meet with the white widow you know, he throws shade at her brother. And I love that she's just like, family, what can you do? Like, she just buys that <laughs> nobody trusts Zola, that he's a bit of an idiot and probably would have fucked it up. And so it makes sense that he had to improvise and go on this crazy batshit insane chase and get half of her guys arrested. And then, um, yeah, so she thinks that it was Ilsa that killed the henchman. And Ethan just is like, yep, that's fine. 
I'll give you Rebecca Ferguson, but not until the meeting. Not yeah. So um, all that stuff, I think is great. And again, we get that dynamic with Vanessa Kirby, like really in this scene, showing that like she owns who she thinks is John Lark, but Ethan. Like she's just like flexing her power over him again. She's like, you kind of fucked up. And if you want this to go down, the only way it's going to happen is by my rules. And now my price has gone up. You got to deliver your lady friend who you said it's complicated with. So yeah, like this whole sequence, I mean, everything from Breaking Lane out to right now is just probably, I mean, like the whole movie slaps, but it's just like such a great middle part of the movie. Like the motorcycle chase to the tension with the, the baddies and the lady cop to the car chase to then, you know, the conversation with Lane and then back with, uh, Vanessa Kirby again. It's all just uh, top tier stuff. And John, uh, now that Alex has made more sense of what all the things that I tried to describe were, um, I didn't really do a good job. But thank you, Alex, because they think you yeah, you reminded me of the you. things that actually that like the, you filled in the blanks. What I forgot too was that I actually have the Wikipedia article open. So I, I was like, oh, I could have read this stuff. <laughs> the idea was I would pair the Wikipedia article with my notes to fill in the yeah. gaps. But I guess I just decided subconsciously that I was just going to read my notes without yeah. any context. Yeah. I'm going to read be a good idea. my just hot takes that I had while watching it. I and love, I love those moments about them. Yeah. where you read a note and you're like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, it's just peak Tim Heidecker. I'm here for it. Oh, like I hope, like at this point, like I, I, like I don't, I hope people don't think like I, Sam's going for a poor man's Tim Heidecker. I'm like genuinely reading the <laughs> these are genuine reactions from the movie. That's why it's so think good. That I'm doing an act. I genuinely felt that you know, for instance, uh, Ethan protects his cover with Vanessa Kirby. Well, I just don't know what that means. So, <laughs> you know. Um, anyways, so yeah. That being said, John, what did you think about this section that Alex uh, described? I mean, it's again. I feel like every time we throw to me i'm always just like oh it was super cool right. <laughs> sorry yeah this time no, I, I mean but even even when you throw it to me first i my, my initial like it's every time regardless of whether alex has gone first or not my response is always just like oh yeah i fucking dug this bit <laughs> like <laughs> the the ilsa chasing them is really cool um and the, the garage okay start at the garage the garage is really great when the doors open and the lady cop is there and they have this like really almost drawn out section where they we just cut keep cutting around the group as they process that there's a cop here and the cop is processing that there's a dude in a hood being shoved in the back of a car. It's like uh, and then Ethan his going his saying, just walk away, please walk away, and the cop kind of like thinking about it like it's so unusual that a hardened kidnapper gunman would be like please walk away that she considers it and then she gets shot in the side and you go whoa because we didn't see zola's guys show up yeah. because we're paying attention to this dynamic between the cop and the and the imf team and then all of a sudden we're interacting with that new dynamic. And Ethan has that like pose where his hand is out a little bit to the side and he's shocked that the cop just got shot and he's kind of processing what's going on. And everybody's, I just like, like and it, you know, I, we talked about this, 
I think the last stream, and probably other ones, the Mission Impossible franchise allows the characters to be seen reacting to things that we are reacting to. And that allows us to understand what these characters are thinking and feeling individually, even as less important. Like, Benji isn't super important to that scene's dynamic, but we still get to see Benji express how he feels about what's happening. And that is just... I love it when movies do that shit. <laughs> um, and then... The chase scene with Ilsa is cool. The All the driving through, you know, Alex talked about all the cool bits of that. Uh, except that at the end, when Ilsa pulls in front of them again, it kind of reminded me of the end of the motorcycle chase scene in Rogue Nation, where Ilsa comes out from around the corner in the mountain road and Tom Ethan crashes, right? This time he slams on the brakes and doesn't crash, but he doesn't go through her because she still has the power to stop him if she gets in front of him. But then he realizes that he kind of has to, and so he guns through it. Um, I thought that was interesting and cool. Uh, and then, what's how far do we go? Uh, Rebecca motives. Uh, oh, now Vanessa Kirby wants Ethan to kill Rebecca Ferguson. Would you do it? I would. And then Rebecca Ferguson's motivations. Uh, is this a reversion of her character for her character or a continuation of her arc? Is the question mm. that I posed. So the motivations that we get for her is that she gets pulled back by MI6 because they go after her and be like, "Hey, you're a rogue agent who spent a lot of time with Lane." and might be an apostle, you have to kill Lane to prove that you're on our team, and then we can let you go, which is also, in and of itself, probably a lie, because we've seen that other intelligence agencies are dickheads. Um, I love when we get all of that information, Ethan Hunt puts it all together by reading the facial expressions of Ilsa, because she can't say anything like that, and so he goes. He just goes. Who's who made you do it? MI six. And she kind of gives him a look, and he's like, "Okay, that it's MI six. And he like goes on to the next thing. I like that dynamic between them. That park that they're in is an amazing set location. Those trees are super cool. Um, and the Vanessa Kirby scene where she says, "I want that. I want your lady friend." Uh, I mean, I, the, would the, you do it, John? Well, so I don't think you have to, right? Because it's it's just like in one, whenever he's whenever he whenever Ethan is trying to get the the mole, right? He says, "I want the mole. Bring me the mole to the deal." And Max says, "He'll be there regardless." So I don't have I don't even really have to give you that because the mole will come to the deal. And so you can get them when I get my shit. And it's kind of the same thing. Ethan goes, yeah, you can have you can have the lady after the deal. And because he knows that Ilsa will be there. And we and we see later that Ilsa is always there. Ilsa's basically just following the White Widow around because she knows that Ethan's gonna have to come back to the White Widow to do contact deal stuff. So every time we see Vanessa Kirby, Ilsa's there, like, in the crowd. 
so you don't have to do it. You can just play the spy game. <laughs> okay. We are going to go so fast through the next mm. couple of sections. We are an hour. We got a Tom in. Cruise run this one, baby. <laughs> yeah, I've got a I've got a girl mad at me that I'm not like joining her right now. So I'm just like, we have got to go so fast. <laughs> I've been, I've done sections of the, I've done these streams before going to work, and I've never had a harder deadline than you know. Right now. <laughs> Anyways, that being said, um, Benji gets to wear a mask. Love that. Uh, this I didn't realize at the beginning that he was Wolf Blitzer at the beginning whenever I watched it my first time. I realized it now, and I've realized it for the entirety of the stream, but my first watch through, this is my first reaction, I wrote down, Ben, she gets to wear a mask. Look at that. Love that. Um, <laughs> Love it. How will you... Here's a line that I... Uh, back and forth that I liked. Well, how will you make sure that she doesn't kill me? I'm working on that. <laughs> that was funny. That was funny, and that just goes back to the like, like, how are you? Are you shouldn't you be driving? You know, like that that di yeah. type of bewildered dynamic where Tom Cruise just doesn't understand why, like Simon Pegg just doesn't trust him. You know, like, come on, I, I will figure it out. Okay, come on. It's so funny. Their their dynamic is is like one of the best parts of this franchise. Mm -hmm. um, the debrief goes wrong. The CIA asks Jack Donaghy to bring in Ethan and Lane. They have to go rogue. Will Walker help? What? No. It's a fake out. Henry Cavill <laughs> is an apostle. He's Lark. And I was like, oh my god. Did you guys... Oh, we'll throw it to you. I'll throw it to you when I throw it to you. Uh, speed running. So they tricked him with Jack Donaghy's help. The CIA double-crosses Jack Donaghy. Henry Cavill has men on the inside and they kill. They shoot Alec Baldwin. That's what it feels like, Alec. Jack Donaghy should have stayed at NBC, seems like. For the U30 Rock fans there, he shouldn't have left NBC and went to the CIA because then he would have gotten shot and killed. So what do you guys think of this? You can be very brief if you want to. Henry, uh, ben, 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 she gets to wear a mask. The funny back and forth there, the whole debrief tricking of Henry Cavill, and then uh, uh, Henry, and then Jack Donaghy dies. Uh, John, we're going to you first. Okay, uh, I really like this scene. <laughs> uh, the whole, I love watching it. it. It feels like a thing that you would see in every other spy movie, right? There's that moment where the boss shows up and he says, oh, you're out of control, you have to come back in, and you, you turn in your badge and gun. And then it turns out that it's all a setup to entertain Walker, and so I like I like that it ends up being like it's almost exactly like the hypothetical heist, right? Like we see that it's we see what we are what they want us to see. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. So I'll explain his name. Rest in peace. I've been playing with these bits for weeks, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, we're there. I can change it. <laughs> like, I was immediately when we got to that point. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. Sorry, I'm so sorry, John. This is so rude of me. That's so funny, though. <laughs> I didn't mean to derail it this much, but I was so excited to do this. Sam had to, like, turn off his camera and mute himself. I was like, oh, I had to pause the man for a second because he was, like, losing it. And I was like, I got to clo close my camera for a brief second because oh, I'm about to tear up. <laughs> I think my camera died. That's how it killed the camera. Oh, God. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, you're okay. That's fine. Oh, go ahead, John. I'm so sorry. 
Uh, 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 nah, shit. I'm trying to speed run it now after that. Where was I? Well, the, the, the CIA debrief is like any other spy movie, but then they, they twist hmm. it. And it's, you know, yeah, I like that we learn that it was all for show for Walker because they kind of figured Walker was the bad guy. Uh, I like that. I like that Hunley got to take part in a deception kind of thing like that. And then they do that little, like, welcome to the team, Mr. Secretary. <laughs> and then he dies. And it's like, yeah, of course he dies as soon as he's officially a recognized member of the team. Um, I like, I love that Angela Bassett betrays them. She's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, Walker's also, it, t- it turns out we have evidence that Walker is actually a bad guy. But I'm just going to bring all of you in because I don't trust any of you. And then, obviously, Walker has <laughs> guys planted in the strike team. And it's like, he says, go. Ah, and then, the, it. uh, it's so great. And then instead of the walls falling away, everybody gets murdered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so good. Uh, and then uh, he, you know, Walker walks out of that, he escapes that room. At, after the little shootout and he calls somebody and he's like the first team is down send the second team and then just leaves and it's such a like dope little like he's got multiple extraction teams planned and all that kind of stuff uh the the i love 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 that walker falls for the lane mask mm-hmm. and and then i love that he realizes he's fallen for it when he repeats the line the imf are just a bunch of grown men wearing Halloween masks. <laughs> it's so well done and so funny and such a like, yeah, fuck you, idiot. <laughs> and it's crazy. Um, he just sells it so well. Uh, Henry Cavill is killing it in this movie. Everybody in everybody in the Mission Impossible movies does great facial work in all these movies. Um. Uh, yeah. Uh, how far did we get to? We so, didn't talk uh, about the chase. Just, out, just the beginning of the debrief up through Alec Baldwin dying, basically. Okay, then yeah, I've covered that. All right. Uh, Alex? Uh, sorry, Alex. Uh, what would you like to say about that section? That, very good bit, by the way. Thank, c- congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I'm here for the rest of the stream, and I'll be in the next one. Um, so yeah, this this whole sequence, um, I remember like when I saw it in the theater, I was like, wait, why is Benji confused? Of course he's going to wear the mask. He should know. So I kind of suspected something, but I as soon as like, Alec Baldwin is like trying to shut it down. I got swept up in that aspect of it. Like Alec Baldwin is really what like sold me on like, oh shit, what's happening? And then so by the time he gets knocked out by Ethan, I was like, whoa, this is a little bit wild. And then, you know, as they're going on, I was like, oh, it's like, again, one of my favorite mask reveals, especially like watching Sean Harris play Benji playing Lane is fantastic. Like, yeah. he's just killing it right there. Especially his little, what? When <laughs> like, he sees Walker realize it, it's so good. And apparently, Sean Harris was, like, talking with uh, McQuarrie and Cruz about it. He's like, all right, I'm going to play it like Benji thinks he's killing it, so I'm going to overdo it. And then after they did it, they were like, you should overdo it more often. And that was great. <laughs> like, I just love that, like, what I don't know if it was, like, playful tension or whatever, but just between him and Benji, I think it's so good. Um, and again, yeah, I love Alec Baldwin gets to be in on it. I love the little moment where he puts a gun to the back of Walker's head and Walker, he's like, ah, you were doing so well. (laughs) He takes it. He's like, ah, pretty sure this one's loaded. You want to find out? He's just like hamming it up, having a great time doing the IMF, like theatrical stuff. It's all so 
so good. And then that same thing where like, and I love that we get to see Ethan now. The plan has changed. But he's like, okay, we do have everyone. We have Lark. We have Lane. Like, let's just go with what Sloan says. Like, you don't see him doing the act that he did before. You see him now. He's like, okay, this is new. I don't know how to assess it. Let's go along. All the threats are here. This should be fine. And then we get Walker being like, oh, do you? And then again, like John mentioned, the reuse of the go for, you know, the plan being reversed. But instead of it being an elaborate set, it's just, I've got more people here to murder all of you. Is like a really great touch to that scene. And then I like the whole, like, the lights change. The gunfight is really cool, partly in the dark, like seeing the, the muzzle flashes going off and just like silhouetted by like the security lights on the side, yeah. I guess. Like it just, it's a, it, it all looks really great. And then Alec Baldwin, like going down, uh, by, like, and I love that we set up both the uh, tracker, like when Lane pulls it out, like we see the tracker, he sets it on the table and he pulls out the knife and we see the knife. So like, we know that it's there. That part, we haven't fully disarmed um, Walker and then so I love that Alvin Baldwin goes in and he like he stops Walker from shooting Ethan. Like Ethan's a little bit exposed. Walker's lining up the shot. And then he steps in, you know, secretary of the IMF, go toe to toe with their number one plumber. I also love his bit of a speech. He gets to do a similar thing about uh, Walker. He's like, you know why he's here? He's an assassin. Erica Sloan's number one plumber. And then yeah. when he's like, he, throw, he tells her, he's like, he's like cleared to kill you and then walker's just like it's just a job no hard feelings yeah it's like another great little moment in this whole sequence but then yeah and i love how they handled uh alec baldwin's death i think it's like really nice he gets that little moment he just tells ethan to go then luther tags him and we get in to the foot chase which i love his 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 death scene is pretty good too like when people say mm-hmm. last words as they die in movies oftentimes it can be so hammy and so cheesy but i really yeah. thought alec baldwin was like saying oh, yeah. that as he was dying like it really He's... sounded like breathy in all the right ways mm-hmm. he he absolutely crushes this whole scene like he's chewing the scenery you know he's alec baldwining it up and then just like that subtle yeah his whole like i felt it when i saw it in the movie like that that got me a little misty in the eyes i was like no i love this guy I know he's a great. Ah, it's, yeah, it is unfortunate because I we are getting ready to see Dead, Re- Dead Reckoning Part One, and part of me is like, ah, I wish that Alec Baldwin could be there. Oh well, I know but he's I... also canceled because he literally killed a person. But... <laughs> yeah, you know, unfortunate. I'm gonna see that movie. I can't wait. Season premiere <laughs> of the Film Fan Club show next season. <laughs> what nice. That's Look forward to that. I think we're probably going to, I don't know what we're going to, I think there's, it's, there's a big Marvel movie, I think, that comes out in March or, or February or something. Anyways, uh, where am I? Chase That's on chase. rooftops. So there's a chase and it involves chase on rooftops. And something I really noticed in Indiana Jones 5, The Dial of Destiny, <laughs> is when uh, a character uh, is uh, doing a chase from the rooftops, whenever they do the jump, they cut to like far away. And all you see is like a silhouette going across in the distance. And they do that a lot in this chase. And it was very annoying and apparent in, in Dial of Destiny. And because they use that technique in this movie, it stuck out a lot to me. That's just a me thing, though. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably utilized better here because I believe Tom Cruise or whoever in the... I can't remember. <laughs> I've seen this. It's like two days. Uh, but I, I believe whoever's doing it in this movie can probably do it more than Phoebe Waller-Bridge. So mm. at least that has that. Anyways, these are all out of context notes. Chase on rooftops, cutting to wide shots away from when the character jumps between roofs. Uh, the Ethan, Ethan, you'll have to go faster. Cut to Tom Cruise just running full speed. That's very funny. <laughs> um, 
I remember glimpses of that. Uh, we'll see what I'm talking about. Benji, iPad shenanigans, and comedic jumping out of roof. Huh? Okay. Uh, <laughs> apostles, they threaten Ethan's wife. Uh-oh. Who, who talked last? I did. All right, Alex, yeah. what's up? Um, yeah, so this, this whole foot chase is... I just, it's some of my favorite Tom Cruise running and all of Tom Cruise running cinema. Like, I love that, like, we get, he's running out and he, he, like, sees guys coming after him. So he sees cops, like, at the doorway or something and he just runs past him because he knows that they'll, like, stop the other guys. And we get in and it's, like, a great little comedic bit. And the extras in this funeral scene are so great. But he's walking through and you don't know what it is yet. And he's just still, he's, like, telling Benji, he's like, I can't go that way. He's like, why? What are they? He's like, Apostle CIA? I don't know. There's just, there's, fucking mercs here they're trying to kill me and then like he gets into the center and you see the coffin and it cuts to the wide and you just see how many people are in there and tom cruise is just like or ethan well, both of them he's just like <laughs> i am so sorry and then he takes off again and yeah. again like the ipad shenanigans because benji has it in 2d he's like why is he running in circles as he's going up the thing he gets up you know he's running across and then when he does that one long book it um and we do get a couple of the shots i like how they use them in this because it's like with the choir of the song like you get the like oh uh, when he when you see the wide of him jumping over the roof, and I believe that's Tom Cruise doing that. I mean, why would he not do that one stunt out of all of them? It's just like it's a neat <laughs> shot, <laughs> yeah, to jump seven feet over the roofs or whatever it is. But uh, but that one where he's like booking it along and then he runs and he jumps across and he barely grabs the building. He broke his foot in that shot, and oh. like that was like some of the first promotional material. Like they showed that on Graham Norton before they showed anything about the movie. They showed him breaking his foot and talked about that whole thing. But that is like the take, apparently. Uh, you don't see it from the side angle where it's more gruesome, but if you're interested, it is in the opening credits. You can see, you can look at his foot. It's awful looking. But uh, that is him <laughs> yeah, limping past camera on a freshly broken foot uh, to like finish that shot. And then they had to stop filming for a number of weeks because yeah, he did a bad number on it. But then um, that whole thing where he gets into that building and you get the left-right question and he, like, he goes left and the lady, like, stands up from the chair and he just goes, ah, thank you. And he throws the chair through the window and then he's, like, standing at the window and Benji's like, why aren't you going? He's like, I'm jumping out a window. That's and, funny. like, you get, funny. yeah, and then he's like, oh, sorry, I had it in 2D. And then I love it when they cut to the extras again. Like, the extra work is just so fantastic. Like, they're all doing their best. There's this one lady in a black and white dress. Like, a lot of people look appalled. She's just, like, staring at him. And then it's like, like, gives him a <laughs> nod of approval. <laughs> it's just, it's so good. It gets me every time. So, yeah, then he jumps out. And he's like, go faster. And we get the swell of the music. One thing I really love about this chase is the score. Because it, like, starts with just bongos. And you get some choir. And then you get a little piano, little strings. And then it builds to, like, the final run when he's headed towards, like, catching up with uh, Walker. It's just like you get the full score with hints of the theme mixed in. And I love, like, he jumps in and he grabs on the elevator. And in, like, other movies, like, that would surprise Walker or, like, he would look down and notice. But instead, when we finally, like, Ethan settles and he looks up, Walker's just staring at him. He's just looking. Like, he's just like, God, you're still here. And um, I love that whole bit. And, like, he pulls the gun on him and Ethan's like, aha, I have the upper hand. You can't kill me until you get your plutonium. And he's like, no. But, and then, like John had mentioned, I love that like, he pulls the photograph and we don't really see it and he sets it down and we get Ethan's reaction before yes. we see the photo fully. Like, and it just, you see it just shake him. And then we get the whole thing about how, you know, he's his guard, or 
Walker is her guardian angel. If we see him again, she dies. If he tries to warn her, she dies. Like that whole thing, just to set up, because like it feels like a climactic moment when they were when they get this drop on uh, Lark in or Walker in there and reveal that he's Lark. Like that, it almost feels like the climax of the movie. Yeah. So then to have that is like the gut punch to get us in to the final act. I think it's just so effective. And I love that Tom is actually on top of that building in London for those helicopter shots going around. That's just another one of those shots that just like lives in my head. I'll just like the score will like come into my mind. I'm like, damn, that's a cool shot. He's just standing on a building just up there. But yeah. What do you think of the, the final act? That's my last note. No, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> what yeah. if I was just like, oh my God. No. Okay. That's, <laughs> yeah, we're done. Well, and that's the point that we're at though. So we are going to go mm. so fast through this last act. Oh All yeah. Right. We can breeze through this. Luther gives us a recap of Ethan's marriage. Uh, thank goodness, because in case you hadn't forgot, if you had forgotten, uh, it, it, he's married and it's going to come up, come back in like two seconds. Um, I realized that very soon. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson agrees to help. That's nice of her. They planned on they planned on Lane escaping at some point, but he escapes a little bit earlier, uh, something like that. Anyways, uh, so when does this transponder activate? I got him. That's a funny play. I think they did a similar joke in the last movie. It was like, when are you going to, how long will it, I got him. That's funny. The, the IMF team is very competent. I love that. It's a good joke. Um, they can only defuse the bomb after the countdown starts. That's a note I have. Uh, Julia works at the med camp that Lane is also at. Uh-oh. Ethan gets cucked in this movie. Uh, big time. So, um, John, what do you think of that? When you said cut, your microphone did this thing that, like, drew out the cut. It was like, cut! Yeah. <laughs> Beta! Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, uh, the scene with Luther and Ilsa is cool. Like, once again, Luther is a sad boy who only thinks about relationships as a thing that he's not allowed to have. Um, uh... I like that he's like, if you cared about Ethan, you shouldn't come because he can't think about this right now. And then Ethan is like, oh, what's up, guys? <laughs> and Elsa goes, I'm coming. And Ethan goes, okay. And then they're just done with that. Um, the the, And then every... Julia being there at the quarantine camp, because they mentioned that there's a smallpox quarantine at this location way earlier in the movie. They say that the apostles did it, but now they're being hired by somebody else. But we learn that actually it was part of this same long plan. Uh, Lane has been setting all of this up the whole time in order to specifically get Julia here so that he can nuke this place and kill Julia and kill Ethan and win everything completely because all that he wants now, his motivation now, last movie he was like, I want to bring down the intelligence organizations that fucked me over. And this movie he's just like, nah, fuck Ethan Hunt specifically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh. Uh, yeah oh, that's right. No, um, that's it, because we haven't talked about the final action scene yet. So No, yeah, we've got a lot to get to, but I just, yeah. Alex, as, as we kind of set up the, the, the third act and uh, Rebecca Ferguson, I just want somebody to talk about the fact that he gets cucked in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't 
don't know if it's cucking if like you're happy your partner moved on because you got to do crazy spy shit. Nobody's allowed to move on. on. Oh, oh, sorry, I forgot the rules. Of this I don't stream. know if it's cucking yeah. if you're happy for them. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, I do like I, I really love the little bit between uh, Luther and Ilsa. I, I, I like this movie like is really doing a lot in like little ways to just like strengthen the friendship and like sh respect the friendship that Luther and Ethan have. There's a lot of little moments where, you know, they're working together. They believe in each other. And like their friendship is very solid in this movie. Like you get the sense that like nobody knows Ethan better than Luther and they are best bros for life. And I, I really am glad that, that we got to see that dynamic and especially with, and like the care that Ilsa has for Ethan, knowing that there's someone important in his life, you know, like it's it's not like jealous or judgmental. It's very much just like concern for her friend at this point. And then, um, you know, so we head to the camp. And again, I like that we're, you know, we're, we're teasing that thread of like Ilsa being like, well, why a medical camp? I don't understand a medical camp. And, you know, we also get oh, the stakes yeah. there that like this nuke is going to like, like poison, like irradiate all of this water that flows to all these areas and like essentially starve one third of the world's population, which, you know, is intense, you know, high stakes going on here. Um, so, you know, we get to the camp and then I love like they're coming in, they're getting ready. And then you just hear uh, Julia say, Ethan. And then it's just like a gut punch and we turn yeah. around. And apparently in that valley, like at sunset, they have like half an hour of that kind of golden light because of the mountains cutting it off. And so like they had to shoot all this stuff super quick. And like Tom Cruise was like, nah, just get all of Julia and uh, Wes's stuff. And then well, do me at the end. And then they only had eight minutes to do all of Tom's lines in this little conversation, apparently. Wow. Which I think is just <laughs> ridiculous and hilarious that like, he was like, no, 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 take your time with them. And then him and McCoy were like, okay, we got eight minutes. Let's, let's just nail this. So uh, that's, you know, just a fun bit and it is it's like so well shot i love their little conversation there like especially when west walks up and ethan just quickly like does he know and she's like uh, -uh. so he's like oh i'm dr rob thorne and i love like him giving julia and the audience information while also like being pleasant with um <clears throat> i think his name's eric in the movie um like he yeah <laughs> he's like Julia's like, oh, he's on vacation. He's like, no, no, I'm working. And just instantly she knows. She's like, ah, oh, shit, this is real bad. And he's like, oh, well, you know, it's good to have you here. I like that whole dynamic of the three of them. And, like, seeing that Julia, like, and we get more of it uh, later on, but, like, that she has found a life. She's not just in hiding. She's not just trying to, like, stay in the shadows or be a ghost the way like Luther was saying. And I also love that we get that little bit and that's my headcanon for where Luther was in four was he was training Julia on how to be a ghost, how to cover her tracks, how to keep herself safe from all the people that want to hurt Ethan and her not being able to use for that. So I, like all of that stuff getting paid off in this movie, I think it works really well. And I and like we said, I like that they bring these characters back and that we do like, as we will continue on, get this nice like bow tied on uh, that whole relationship. All right, Luther. Or wait, where am I at? The the countdown begins. Wait, am I not? I'm not skipping anybody, right? Yes, because I went for John to Alex. Okay, yes. All right, the countdown begins. Ethan is on a helicopter again, making full. Oh yeah, Ethan's on a hel helicopter again from the first movie. That's a reference. They're making full use of the IMAX. My God, even on my uh, on my little Blu-ray, I was able to watch a Blu-ray without it skipping. So I take back everything ah, I said. Love last that. Week. 
Uh, so uh, making full use of the IMAX, even on my little Blu-ray, it looked amazing. So it was just like, God damn, it looks so good. It does do the black bars, you know, the black bars disappear. And that's a little uh, jarring. I wish they could find a way uh, to... No, I love that. I love that so much. You like that there's black bars that I, come and go? Well, I don't like that they come back. I wish they just shot all of this stuff in the IMAX. I wish they just disappeared when he runs. But when he books it and Ilsa's like, what is he doing? And Benji's like, I try best not to look. And the music swells and the black bars just slowly fade away to the full IMAX frame when he's grabbing the rope to get on the helicopter. Ah, chills every time. Okay, that's a good. I, did, I didn't it's, notice that particular effect. Go ahead, John. It's interesting because my digital copy doesn't have that. The black bars don't go away on mine. And so okay. I, it, we were talking a couple weeks ago, I guess, and Alex was like, oh, I love that part where the black bars <laughs> boxes go away. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I went back and rewatched it, and I was like, yeah, what are you talking about? And he had to show me. Like he had to videotape it on his, on his <laughs> yeah. computer. To I was show like me. a Skype call through my phone because I couldn't like I, I just had it like a did like a, on YouTube and it wouldn't let me stream that. Google's too smart. They're like, oh, you're trying to share something that you're not supposed to. <laughs> I didn't remember all the other workarounds, but yeah, but it was funny. So we had a, a it still worked out. Took two devices, but st like a low tech version of like, look how badass this is. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it's cool when I was watching it when Alex was showing it to me, it does this thing where like the black boxes go away. Right. But also, and Ethan is running away from the camera, but the camera also gets closer to Ethan pulls in on him as he's running away and the bars are disappearing. So it has this, it has this just crazy, like crash zoom kind of effect where the background shifts, but Ethan doesn't as the, it's all filling up even and it's just like a crazy effect and then it's just yeah. hilarious for you to be like i like this thing but i know that sam alex has been like oh my god this is amazing for like a week yeah. or at least it's funny <laughs> i mean i get what sam's saying when we cut back to the stuff that was shot on 35 mil it it is jarring that the letter bars like i wish there was consistent yeah disappear i i do wish that they had shot because later on in the camp also in IMAX. Yeah, later on they're cutting between like uh mm -hmm. like the shots pretty quickly and it just be, mm -hmm. it, 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 it's like oh okay that's clearly like yeah. it it's it pulls me out for a second it's oh I am watching a movie aren't I? Yeah. And that's, that's ah, really so very get that effect. Yeah, that Sorry? part does frustrate me so, but like it all looks so fucking good. Yeah. I mean, I, it's worth it. I would rather if that's the if that's the drawback of having IMAX footage in there then I guess, you know, I get it, but yeah. Mm -hmm. one day they will one they day. Will. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and barrel, barrel ahead cuz I got more, more mm -hmm. things to say. Yep, Julia yep, found yep. the bomb and helps. Um helicopter versus helicopter. Ethan's crazy. He rams the <laughs> helicopter. Uh bomb <laughs> takes forever. And, and the bomb takes forever counting down. It feels like um uh, well, it's just fresh in my mind right now, but Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when his head's about to get crushed and just <laughs> cutting back yeah. to it, like being very Still far away. In elongation yeah. of time. With yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. It just feels like that's what, how this, that's like, did Steven Spielberg do the, the bomb <laughs> countdown sequence? Because it takes forever. Um, yes, I watched the Red Letter Media review of T Temple of Doom. I admit it. Um, so uh, then I like the, the the funny joke where she says, "Did you say other bomb? Like, is it like they spend yeah. like like a good deal of time trying to defuse that one bomb?" And she's pretty chill throughout the whole time. And then he's like, "All right, well, we got to find that other bomb." And then she's like, "Did you say other bomb?" I'm like, it's, it's funny. <laughs> um, that's funny. Um, Benji uh, versus Lane, uh, revenge for number uh, for number five. Uh, that's fun. 
Rebecca Ferguson saves Benji, uh, not but only after she uh, stops Lane, I, I, uh, right? I, I, we'll, mm-hmm. get, we'll, we'll elaborate more. Um, and, uh, Ethan uh, takes down the chopper by ramming it. I already kind of touched on that. Um, where am I going? Who am I talking to? Alex, do you want to talk on that stuff? And then we'll throw it to John. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so, yeah, like, you know, like I mentioned, I love, you know, we see Walker walking away. And then Ethan's like, he's got the detonator. So they drive down and we get that wonderful bit, the IMAX in full effect. This stunt is just nuts. Him climbing up a rope, hanging from a helicopter, getting yeah. to the top, falling down, like hitting the bag, and then hanging on the bag, and the theme plays when he, they fly over the camera, and it's just <laughs> Tom Cruise just fucking hanging on. It's so good. And then climbing all the way back up. And I love the shots that we get of Walker with uh, the helicopter that Ethan's climbing on in the background. He's just like chilling there, and you just mm-hmm. see this little tiny Tom Cruise <laughs> climbing a rope in the background. And... Um, <clears throat> So I'll let John talk about this because he loves this part. But Ethan get, finally gets in the helicopter. And then, yeah, everything from there, I just it's like, it is so intense. I mean, it's obviously like a little bit dress rehearsal for what they're going to pull in uh, Top Gun Maverick. You know, the, the cameras in the thing yeah. and him really piloting the whole thing is so good. I love that he, like, you, you watch him just like, okay, this is power. This is steering. And just like slowly figure out how to fly a helicopter. Just like, I think that's great and he goes up and he drops the payload and it just barely misses and that's what alerts them and then you get the fun little stare down and the two helicopters where walker just like looks at him and ethan's like yeah that's right prick (laughs) (laughs) walker pulls out that giant machine gun he's like oh shit and he's gonna get out of there which leads to just like the tension the like the, the spectacle of that helicopter chase is just like top tier like they're really out there really flying through these canyons like, I mean, some of it, obviously, when they're crashing into each other is CG, but, like, most of that is practically done. They're really flying like that. So it is just, like, a testament, again, like, the filmmaking and, like, the links they'll go to and also what Tom Cruise is willing to learn and do to make this amazing cinema. I just, I love it so much. And then at the same time, we're getting, like, wonderful character stuff going on with, like, we're diffusing, finding another nuke and diffusing both of them. But at the same time, we're getting wonderful stuff with Luther and Julia, you know, like she yeah. shows up, like she is clearly a competent, capable person. And like, she sees the danger and she's just like, what can I do? And so, you know, they're there, she's helping with the whole thing. There's that wonderful little moment where she like clarifies which wire and we get the nice thing from Ilsa. She's like, oh, I like her, you know, which is great. And I love um, like Benji and Ilsa's like they're working together, but they're not quite as in sync. So, uh, like, Benji's like, no, I found something. And she's like, well, this is, I know Lane. He would, like, if, if we're looking here, that's why, because he wants us to look here. He's going to be somewhere else. And he's just like, no, 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 I've, I've got this. So he's, like, he's checking the room of all the radioactive equipment. And yeah. she goes off on her own. So we get, like, them sort of out of sync. And then when they come back, you know, Lane gets the drop on Ilsa. Oh, no, she's tied up. And then Benji's coming, and Ilsa's screaming, like, Benji, it's a trap, it's a trap. And then, like... Lane is like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna want to see this. Like he's ready to just fuck up Benji. And you like, I love like their fight is good. Like Benji's holding his own for a bit, but then as soon as Lane gets the upper hand, you can tell he's just enjoying it. Like he's just having fun thrashing Benji. Like that moment where he grabs the rope and steps on the other end to slam Benji to the ground. It's just like it's so, it's brutal, it's sadistic, and like the look on Lane's face, he's like, fuck yeah, finally I'm gonna kill this son of a bitch if I do one thing. Um, and I love that, like, Ilsa is trapped, but, like, she saves herself to save 
Benji. Like she does the move and breaks the chair, gets up there, and then like she get, gives him the box. So Benji's standing. She breaks the glass, stabs Lane with it, gives it to Benji so he can cut himself free because like she's got to subdue. And then that moment of tension where Benji helps Ilsa by kicking Lane and that knocks the box away. And then like, can she strangle? Can she knock Lane out faster than like to, in enough time to save Benji? Like that little building of tension is really well done. Um, and then, I mean, all the while, again, like the great stuff with Luther and Julia. And then culminating the the crazy helicopter chase with Ethan diving into the clouds and the other pilot being like, no, nah, dude, I'm not fucking doing yeah. that. That's insane. Like, no way. And then Ethan comes back out in the wonderful line uh, from Walker. Where he's like, that crazy son of a bitch is trying to ram us. And like going through and like the plane's on fire and or the helicopter's on fire. It's doused by the snow and it gives it like just enough extra to where he can just crash into the back. And then like everything from there with, uh, I guess we'll go like the helicopter thing. We can talk about the fight on the cliff side afterwards. But uh, John, if you want to take over. Yes. Uh, that's the whole climax is super cool. It's super well done. It, they intercut between the the very action-packed adrenaline helicopter chase scene that's this huge fight scene between these two helicopters and the showdown between Walker and Ethan. And they cut from that to all of that character stuff Alex mentioned in the back at the base camp. Um, you know... I really enjoy the Lane Benji Ilsa fight scene and how Ilsa and Benji work together to beat Lane. Um, um, and the helicopter stuff. Uh, my, one of my favorite moments in the whole franchise, and the, my name in this stream is the actor who plays the gunner <laughs> in the helicopter. That moment where Ethan gets up onto that first helicopter and comes up into the doorway, and the gunner in the helicopter seat is just like, like he's startled that somebody just appeared at the doorway, and it takes him a minute to realize I should probably try and kill whoever this dude is, and then they have the fight scene, and then he just gets thrown out of the fucking helicopter door. Oh, it's that 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 little reaction moment is maybe one of my favorite bits in the whole series. Um, that guy needs to get paid more. Adrian McGaw, best supporting yeah. actor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the whole helicopter chase is really cool. I love that it's Ethan's not knowing how to fly a helicopter that allows him to survive against the other helicopter pilot who we see is competent because Ethan doesn't miss them when he drops the payload. He just drops it a little early and the other helicopter pilot sees it and dodges out of the way. And then there's these moments where uh, Walker will be like, Oh, we got to do this thing. And the helicopter pilot does the thing because he's good. Even though we don't ever know his name, he just is competent, but he does. They lose because Ethan is like, spiraling towards the ground and he can't follow him. Or Ethan is willing to go into the clouds even though there's no way to know how far down the terrain is from where the cloud is. And that's why the guy doesn't go into it. And then he hits Walker's helicopter, clips the top of the mountain, and that's what slows their helicopter down long enough for Ethan's freshly fire doused helicopter to crash into him from behind and it's just like he's good but he's not good enough and 
that's why they and then he just never shows up again i assume he flew out of the helicopter yeah he, you see him get ripped out at some point i mean oh do you he goes Whoa. yeah as as i said when we were talking earlier he's no renault but he's pretty good uh, <laughs> i hope he comes back he survived and comes back. <laughs> that would be the best top tier. <laughs> he's all fucked up, and he's yeah. just like, I came back to fuck you up, Ethan. <laughs> ah, that'd be great. All right. so yeah, but all close, that's great. So we're getting close to the detonation. Uh, Cavill versus Cruz for the detonator. I like that. It feels very bare bones. You know, they're just going at each other mano a mano. It kind of feels like number two, John. With uh, the ending on the sand beach, it's not as di- it's not directed like John Woo, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and I almost, whenever they were fighting Henry Cavill and 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 uh, Tom Cruise at the end of this film, Mission Impossible Fallout, released in 2018, I kind of was like, oh, I kind of wish that John Woo had had a hand in this hand to hand combat. Just the scene doesn't need to be involved in the rest of the film, <laughs> but just the scene, I would have liked a little bit of that flair. I don't know. It made me it, it made me kind of nostalgic for part two. I gotta say, <laughs> Walker gets impaled by a big ass hook to the head. That was fucking gnarly. I love it so, so much. I love it oh. so much. And they all barely yeah. stop the bombs in time. It's like, woo! I was feeling like, woo! Okay. So, Alex, what'd you think of all that stuff? The res- resolution, and then we'll get to the, the aftermath in a second. Oh yeah, I love I love their fight scene on top of that cliff. I looked up the name of it. It's some. Um, uh, Norwegian word that I'm not going to try to pronounce, but <laughs> a beautiful place. Yeah, I just, up. I know. I was like, oh, I'll know the name of that, and I looked at it and I was like, no, I can't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it'd be funny to let y'all know that that bit happened. Um, but yeah, I love, I love that we get Walker finally looking grotesque because the oil shot yeah. in his face when the helicopters are going on each other, um, and then like they're both like just beat to hell and like still. Like, Walker just really wants to kill Hunt, and Hunt is like, I gotta get that detonator. Like, you're just in my way. Like, I love that, like, for the first few beats of that fight, like, Ethan is not even really trying to do much to Walker. He's just like, I just gotta squeeze, and I'll get that key, and then I'll beat the shit out of you. But for now, you're just in my way. Um, And then I love that it gets them both going over the edge. I mean, you get, like, the, the tension um of the the detonator like being right on the edge of the cliff and then they go over and they're so close and then the cable drops down so they're farther away and then i love watching ethan put the pieces together in his mind that he's like oh i could take him out you know, like he gets on the thing and he just yanks on the cable and yeah dude it is brutal but i love it to death uh zack Snyder superman gets taken down by ethan hunt in a beautiful moment gets splattered on the side of a mountain and then explodes Okay, you don't have Great. to make it personal. My God. <laughs> I've been waiting the whole stream for this bit as well. I it's like great. this movie too. Come on. Yeah. No, I, I now, do movie. I like it more than Zack like... Snyder's Justice League? I don't know. I, don't, I, I will never be a fan of Zack Snyder's interpretation of Superman. So it was cathartic for me to watch the guy that played him. Even though I love Henry Cavill in this and The Witcher. I got no ill will towards Henry Cavill. I think he'd be a great the Superman. Witcher. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was cathartic to watch him get just fucking wrecked in this uh, that was great and then the whole thing i love the conversation between uh luther benji and ilsa about like when do we cut the wire and like they stop it at the last second not because like that's you know the thing but like they decide to do that like they're ready to cut it with like i don't know a few seconds left maybe maybe a minute and they're like all right we'll cut it at two seconds because like they're out of communication with ethan he's got too far away for their walkies to reach yeah and they're like they're they're like all right we'll cut it at two 
And Vinci's like, why not, why, why not one? I'm like, you want to cut it that close? And he's like, what if it's the second we never get back? Like that whole thing. And then not cutting back to Ethan. Like we get a little bit of him climbing, getting closer. But like once we get to them deciding on the time, we don't cut back to him. And I love that like when they cut the wires, it cuts to white and the sound's just gone. And I love the slow fade back in of like the sunset. And it like, it, the way it yeah. fades in, it's like just enough to where for the briefest second, it looks like a blast went off. Like that part of the frame is red, it's hazy, and you're just like, oh, and then the sigh of relief when you're like, oh, it's just it's just the actual nuclear explosion that's always in the sky, not a new one. We're okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like all of that stuff, uh, do you want me to go through the coda or do we want to let John do that and then we'll go through that last what little is, bit? What, is, what does that mean? Uh, like the, the Ethan in the bed with uh, Angela Bassett's narration. Uh no, let's save that. Let's save. That. Okay, cool. Yeah, so oh, all that wanna... stuff. I have. Well, I was just. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's great, and it's effective. Like even as I've seen it, it's still like a moment of just like, get there. It's tense, John. What did you mm-hmm. think? Henry Cavill gets uh, impaled by a fucking uh, big ass hook to the head, I mean... and Alex is very mean about it, making about, <laughs> it, making about a movie I like. But go ahead. There's no title sequences, no title cards in this movie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the well for that joke. <laughs> That's a good joke. The, I mean, the whole fight scene is really well done. There's a lot of cool, like, holy shit, that was an insane move. Like, when they're when the helicopters first crash and they're like dangling above each other, and they're both still Ethan is still seat belted into his helicopter above the one that uh, Walker is in, and Walker has gotten all oiled up. His, the like acid or whatever that shit is that burns up his face and Ethan goes oh you know what I can just unbuckle myself and launch <laughs> downward at Walker to fuck him up and it's like he does that move and it's just, you just go oh my god you're fucking insane <laughs> um, the, the whole fight scene I, I didn't think of it but once you mentioned it I, I now I am like yeah the Ambrose Ethan fight is kind of cooler because it is more like uh, dramatic but it's mm. also less melodramatic so it, i guess it just depends how you like your one-on-one fight scene yeah um i i and then yeah the the fucking toe cable hook is just hilarious the <laughs> the fucking like neck snap back when walker gets hit in the face with it it's so brutal and then his body just Splats in onto the <laughs> rocks, and then there's the explosion. It's like, uh, it's one of those crazy. This guy deserved to die that way because he's there's, the villain. They're like, so mean to Henry Cavill in this movie. This movie shits on him the entire they time. Him up so bad. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, all the stuff back in the camp is really good. Alex talked about most of it already, so I don't have to talk about it. We can speed run past that. Uh, yeah. All That's right. It. So we're res- we're this is my last section. Thank God. Oh my God. My AC has been off this whole time. I'm getting hot. Uh, he's uh, he sees his ex-wife whenever he wakes up, and then uh, he sees her new husband immediately after. I like the way they shot that. It was, it was like oh, you know, it was, it was like that's how I felt. And, and then um, they have a uh, they have a moment now, uh, together, and now he can be happy and move on. Uh, the CIA gives Lane to MI6, so Rebecca Ferguson can be free. Aw. And it looks like they're a happy couple now. 
Um, Alex, was there more to this that you wanted to talk about? That's those are the notes that I have about our ending, and then it says the end after that. That's that's what I have. Uh, I mean, yeah, I like that. Like the brief little bits that I like. I like that uh, uh, Wes is like a little sly with Ethan when he's in the base. Like, no, don't move. You know, your friends showed up right after you left with half the Indian army, and then Julia's like, can you give us a second? He's like, all right, see you later, Doc. Like he's like in the know now, and he's like, ah, oh, that's mm. kind of cool. I love I love that little bit, and I do like I won't get into it too much. We talked about it, but I do really like the conversation between Julia and Ethan there. Like I it, I just like that we again tied that bow. We've got the catharsis for Ethan that like no, I didn't ruin your life when you got kidnapped yeah. by uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, was forced <laughs> to murder Bush Jr. Like you're okay, you're doing great things, you're a survivor. I like all that. Uh, I like that um, when in the CIA ladies speech we get to see uh the white widow again and like they're using her like you know the, the relation has been built up there so like she's earning yeah. goodwill to get you know with the cia same way you know max did in the first one i like that we get that there's also this funny moment in that shot like the car pulls up to meet the cia and like the passenger like the driver gets out vanessa kirby opens her own door and then another guy gets out and opens the door uh for zola like <laughs> like vanessa kirby gets out herself but zola has someone open the door for him i love that even in this tiny little coda moment like like just putting the bow on the movie showing all the characters again we still get the characterization that zola's a piece of shit. Um, yeah it's just so quick and so funny to me and then um I love the little bit at the end, like the final bit of banter between Ilsa, Luther, and Benji, where Benji's like, how close were we? And Ethan's like, the usual. And they're like, ah, they're, they all laugh. And he's like, ah, don't make me laugh. And then uh, the other funny thing I learned in the commentary was that flash that goes to credits was the camera actually running out of film on that take. That was like the only close-up they had of Tom in that hospital bed. And McQuarrie wanted to use a close-up for like that last little line. And the editor was like, well, I got one, but it, it ends too early. We can't use it. But it ends right after he says the line. And that flash that leads us into the credits is like just the camera running out of film. And I think that's, that that's amazing. That's like fucking Mission Impossible right there. Like, ah, just nailed it. Like, just barely. Like, life imitating so art. I think that's so cool. And then again, we get the wonderful theme again. I love it. The, the like, uh, they call, like, they were calling it like the curtain call in the commentary where they get to show all the highlights from the movie again. You know, you get to see all the actors in the, the fun fuse burning. And that theme, man, it's just, it's a banger in this movie. I think the first is still my favorite, but this one, this one goes hard. I like it a whole lot. All right. Well, we'll bring you back in for a second because we're going to rank them all as we do every time. But John, I want to hear what you thought of this last section as we resolve the film. I like the end of it. Uh, it closes it all well. Um, I'm curious if Angela Bassett's going to be like the head of IMF. In the next one, she does the same thing Alec Baldwin did. Do we know who is going to be the head of IMF in the next one? Well, Kittredge is back, so I'm wondering if he's he part was... of the IMF again, or if he... well, he's head of the CIA in the first one, which like had oversight, I guess, over the IMF or some, you know, like he was working with them. So we've seen him in it, but um, I'm not sure. If anything, I like I don't get the vibe that Angela Bassett would take the lateral move. No, she like, does that line. Not, yeah, she she has that line where she's like, "We need the people who care about the individual life, so that I never have to." Ooh, <laughs> yeah. a, like, I do, I do love that so much that she's just like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I, this is why you exist, and I'm gonna keep being a hard ass. I wish they would bring in Lawrence Fishburne for the to be the head of mm. the IMF in the next one. That'd be some nice be continuity good. there. Yeah, <laughs> I 
I mean, I, I loved him as an IMF director. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, Macquarie acknowledges uh, Mission Impossible 3, you know, because he brought in, he brought in, what's her name? So, um, John Julia. Julia. Yeah, <laughs> big John part of that, Man. my favorite movie in the franchise. Yeah. I don't remember her name. <laughs> John, do you want to finish talking about the resolution? Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, no, I mean, the only other thing I want to talk about is I really like Wes, uh, Eric, her husband. Yeah. Like, they have this whole, there's this little scene where they're talking to each other, and he and Julia are. And, like, I enjoy that her husband that she met, it's very obvious there's something going on between Julia and Ethan when they first meet each other at the medical camp. And, but he doesn't, like, there's, they don't try and shoehorn in a relationship arc dynamic where he gets jealous that sh some guy from her past comes back or he mistrusts her or anything like that. He's just like, yeah, okay, I'm just going to believe everything you tell me and respect you enough to let you interact with that guy and not worry about it. And then at the end, he gets that little extra bit of like, oh, you're some crazy spy fed op <laughs> shit going on. Yeah. And, okay. <laughs> I just yeah. like that stuff. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, no, I don't have anything else to say about the resolution. Uh -oh. Rebecca Ferguson and Tom Cruise, well, either characters, uh, are they are they Endgame now? Is that the is that the the way we leave this movie off? Are they? I mean, they're they haven't like slept together or anything. Are they romantically? In, or am I just creating a headcanon? Is the movie no, just I, like teasing I, me I, and I'm creating? I'm filling in the rest there. No, I, I don't think you are. I think they're definitely like there's an attraction there and like an affection there. Because, like, uh, when they're back, uh, I forgot to mention earlier, when they're in Paris, like, Ethan's like, are you okay? And he, like, touches her arm a little bit, like, checking on her after he hit her with a car, you know? And we get the reverse <laughs> of, like, her, him being like, I'm really sorry. She's like, no, you don't have to apologize. I know you're just doing your job, which is, like, you know, again, the flip from uh, Rogue Nation. And then, like, in some of the trailer shots, it clearly looks like they are together now in uh, Seven. Like, mm. you know, they're they're more sort of, like, cuddly in a couple shots and stuff you know so i do think that they're sort of building to that and uh one of the funny things was like tom cruise wanted to re resolve the julia plot line because like fans kept asking him about it at like every premiere he was at like somebody would ask him what happened to julia what happened to julia <laughs> so like i think i think one it like it is a really good beat it does uh, a better job than four of like showing that her life wasn't utterly Absolutely. ruined by what happened in three and also it like it emotionally unburdens Ethan from this guilt that, like, this movie is very much interrogating to where now, like, he can potentially pursue that relationship with someone he wants, but now it is, like, built on, like, mutual understanding and trust and with someone who's, like, like, like not to downgrade Michelle Monaghan, Julia's character, but, like, is equal. Like, they're both spies. Right. They're both involved yeah. in this world. They're not going to have... There's not going to be this dynamic of lying to each other. So, I think, like, I think that is where the series is headed. I think that they were just taking their time to like fully set that up with like, you know, the initial meeting in Rogue Nation, like them coming back together in this one and him helping her get officially done with MI6 to where now she can be a full member of the IMF and they can save the world together. Yeah, they're That's definitely it. romantically interested in each other. Mm -hmm. They just haven't linked up in the films attraction. Right. Exactly. Okay. I do like that this movie does. Yeah. I like that they put a bow on the Julia storyline. I, I really love that. I love that aspect of this film, particularly uh, that they include her. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm a big 
number three is my favorite. So, so the fact oh, that yeah. they have continuity with that one is is a big deal for me. So I love that, and I think the way they included her was good. I mean, Michelle Monaghan, they don't they don't relegate her to some you know like I don't feel like she's less important than anybody. She because she holds her own, and the way they mm-hmm. her characterization is very solid. And yeah, they do firmly establish she's his ex wife now, not his wife that you know he in hiding yeah <laughs> his wife in hiding that he simps over while she goes and fucks half the town all right sam you have some issues all right it's a really impressive feat of like narrative structuring that they can go back and retroactively like build on the canon of movies that were made by other people like oh yeah to to con- like when you look at the whole Mission Impossible franchise as it exists, it you can read it in a way that's like it's all really about Ethan Hunt's development to, of his like relationship with women from the very first movie to this one now. Oh yeah. But it's like insane that that's possible in a franchise that was had the first three movies were headed the first four movies were headed by completely different people who weren't who they were just making the next one in the in the franchise and now he's managed to with four and with five and six kind of like craft an overarching narrative and actually address a lot of the threads from those other movies that would be relevant to this character's continuing existence that's a great point. Yeah, Christopher McQuarrie has been just such a gift to this franchise. And this franchise, likewise, has been such a gift to him, I imagine, because they just seems like they're so simpatico. Like, he is, like, just echoing what you said, John, just taking what is great and then tied it all together in a way that just makes it, you know, so, so much more satisfying. So mm-hmm. you ready for the, that being said, I don't know if that's the best segue, but are you ready for the, the ranking? The final ranking before we go into Dead Reckoning part one that being said i do love this movie there's no bad movies i do shit on number two yeah. a lot i have been <laughs> watching number two um uh, but there's no bad movies i'm gonna rank them all right now the ranking currently is three five one six four two so this is not as good as number one i don't think this is as good as number five i think t- number five is just a solid such a tight film i think mm-hmm. it, it really I mean, it, it, again, it's kind of, we're, we're, we're going between like, you know, 9.1, 9.2, 9.3 kind of territory whenever we start comparing these. But, but yeah, I, I, including number three, which is obviously 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for me, I just think so. Number three, it goes into all those things, brings in Ethan Hunt's, you know, storyline as a person, gives him more characterization as a person. And in, in a way that I th- found was really fascinating, fascinating. And also the Philip Seymour Hoffman, I still think might be the best villain. I think he is. I'm going to say that solidly. He is still the best villain. Solomon Lane in this film gives him a run for his money. I will say that. But I think, he, uh, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman is the best villain because he doesn't need a second film for a redo to give him more characterization. I think <laughs> uh, so. That, so yeah, number three, Number five, such a, a solid tight film. Rogue Nation is amazing. Number one is a classic too. And, and number one establishes all the tropes that we love and introduces us to all these things that we love. And I really love the climax number one and the, and the, and the John Voight and every, all, the, all that stuff. But this is, this is right up there, man. These are all good films. I can't, you know, so I, I feel like I'm doing the movie a disservice, but it, these are all good movies. Can't stress that enough. 
John, I think Alex is the big one. So let's get to John next, and then we'll go to Alex. But what, John, what would your ranking be? Hopefully you've thought about it while I've been talking. I have. So I tie for first place one and five. Five for basically the same reason you do, uh, Sam. It's just a really tight, effective, uh, high-speed action movie with some crazy adrenaline and stunts and things like that. Six has it six goes bigger than five i feel like but there are moments in six that are like downbeats that i don't feel like five has really but uh, like i understand why i know where alex puts six <laughs> but uh and then one is is so it's so much smaller scale it's it's not as huge, but it's also not trying to be. It's not supposed to be. Yeah. It's a more personable, intimate kind of like spy thriller thing. I think it is equivalently as good as five. They are just like completely different, different things. reasons. Yeah. Um, and then after that, probably six is second place. And then. Hmm. I'm going to pick two over four. Wow. I, uh, you know, I picked four over two in that last episode. I put four higher. But as I've, like, thought about it, uh, four <laughs> is good in that it takes the franchise up to that next step of, like, high-octane action set pieces it's and real things like that. And all that. But my... My personal, I, I like, I went back to watch a clip from two today <laughs> to see if the the outbreak that Biosight caused was in the same place as the smallpox outbreak that the uh, uh, apostles did. And as I was skimming through to find the scene that specified where the uh, influenza outbreak was in two, I rewatched the scene where Anthony Hopkins and Ethan Hunt talked to each other for the first time in person. And just like the father-son disappointed <laughs> kind of like angsty energy of that, I was just like, oh yeah, a hundred percent he's Ethan Hunt's dad. <laughs> and it just like really <laughs> reminded me of how much I love that movie. Um, so it's five and one tied, then six, then two, then four, then three. Bullshit. Fuck that. <laughs> I feel like this, our, our lists are like so like petty. Like me and me and John, like our lists are so petty, just putting each other's favorites at the very end. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's you. You know, you said the it's like nine point three, nine point five category like ratings. Mm -hmm. It's a hundred percent that I would have made three lower when we first watched three, but once we talked about three and I rewatched it afterward, uh, it doesn't matter whether it's intentional or not that Ethan is uncomfortable. <laughs> Because it works for me in my headcanon, and it makes the whole thing better for me. So, like, three went from, like, an eight to, like, way up there with all the other ones, real close. Yeah, Fallout definitely, I have to say, Fallout does make uh, three better. I got it. So, so that being said, uh, uh, thank you, Fallout, for making the movie <laughs> I love even better, bolstering my, my opinion that three is my favorite. That being <laughs> said, Alex, right. what is what is your ranking? Um... I mean, so like, I don't like subjectively, like Alex having fun. Six is my favorite. I love every second of it to death. I have so much fun. Like every time 
I finish Rogue Nation over this watch through. I'll message John. I'm like, dude, this is so good. Five, it's just so tight. Alec Baldwin's hamming it up. It's so good. The mask reveal is amazing. And then Ethan says, I am the storm. I'm like, nah, fuck that. Six is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love it to death. I mean, like, I, like again, this is probably the one I saw in theaters the most, just with different people, like, wanting to show off the spectacle of the Mission Impossible franchise. You know, like, just like, oh, let's go. We're going to go see it. It's going to be great. And so we'll probably do that again with Seven. It's going to be a great time. But, um, yeah, but I mean, if I'm, like, if I'm putting on, like, an objective hat for fucking internet dorks, um, <laughs> <laughs> then, like, it'd be one and six are, like, tied. Because one, le- legitimately, like, there's, there's not a dull moment in that movie. From start to finish, it's incredible. It characterizes everyone so well. That's still my favorite Luther performance. Like, him nerding out about that stuff. Like, the introduction of them, the cinematography in one. The fact that, like, the most tense thing in the movie is Ethan sweating. It's just incredible. Uh, but uh, but I just have, it's like, I don't know. It's like the same reason I love Indian cinema. Like, I'm just swept up in, like, the <laughs> spectacle, the fun of Six. So, like, I'm not going to be objective. I, I, sub- subjectively, my fun, like, Six is 10 out of 10. I love it so much for a million reasons. And then, yeah, like, one in five are, like, neck and neck. And then, honestly, like, these conversations and thinking about all this stuff, like, four is fun as hell, but the villain is the weakest. So I think I'm going to go three, two, four. Wow. Four at the bottom? Four at the bottom. Yeah, it's just a little bit looser. Like, the Burj Khalifa is, like, I mean, it's, like, again, like, I'm, like, six is a 10 out of 10, and then everything else is between, like, 9.9 and 9.6. You know, like, okay. it's, like, right there. They're all great. But I just, like, the more I've thought about it, like, the head cannon and the horniness of two, I love it to death. I love that it's, like, so much different from everything else. That, like, going through all of them, it's, like, almost refreshing in a way. Like, the slow-mo, <laughs> the doves, the craziness, the horniness, the putting on the sunglasses to drive a motorcycle. And I love that, like, McCory clearly loves two as well because he does have, like, the little nods and stuff. And, like, our head cannon for three, like, its villain is better it's like uh, tighter in certain areas. Like I really like four, but it just like the final act, the not understanding the villains, like actual motivation. And like, even though like I built it up with loving the chaos, I think like with all of this in our conversations, like four has moved to just barely below two and three. Wow. I love I know, that. And what, what's funny to me is when four came out, it, you know, everybody loved four when it came out. I remember, cause that was the first one that I saw in theaters. And that was, I remember the reaction to that. And uh, people were like, wow, this is the best mission possible. Yeah. Everybody like seemed to, it seemed to be the critics unanimously agreed four was the best mm-hmm. one yet. And all of us have four below parts of the original trilogy it, re- respectively. Yeah. And I think it's so funny. Um, but because uh, yeah, fuck, fuck four, fuck ghost. <laughs> go back to making cartoons. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like it's, it's got great spectacle, but also we learned that Chris McCory punched up some of our favorite parts of the spectacle. So it's yeah. like, you know, like you, I just, you know, again, Brad Bird like we said, hack. they're all great. They're all great. Brad Bird is not a hack. He's made <laughs> so many great Brad movies. Bird. Yeah. Have you seen Have you seen Tomorrowland? That movie fucking sucked. Uh, no, I actually have never seen that one, but The Incredibles and The Iron Giant are enough for me to be like, no, it's Incredib- not. The Incredibles 2 could have been better. Come on. Yeah, it could have been better. But like, not, <laughs> not, not, not terrible. Not, like, hack-worthy. I may or may not have watched, like, a multi-hour video essay on why Incredibles 2 is bad. Um, <laughs> anyway, was it I was a Mahler video? Uh, uh, sorry? Was it a Mahler video? 
Okay, no. I wasn't going to name any names, John, but no. Oh, okay. It was, uh, it was somebody who was clearly doing an imitation, but it was a good one. So, <laughs> um, that being said, uh, I think we're, we've reached the end. I, I, oh. I had something I was going to Oh, I just wanted to make sure everybody understood that my ranking was objective. Okay, so that being said. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Also, one final thing I wanted to mention real fast. Uh, like, so at the premiere of this movie, uh, Tom was sitting next to Christopher McQuarrie, and like the credits start rolling. And apparently, the first thing Tom said to McQuarrie was like, "I think we could do better." <laughs> Just barely stopped, and he's like, "Ready to go again." He's like, "I think we, I, I think we could do better." So I love that. About excited. I know. Another thing know. that's funny is um, Tom Cruise in at now. I think now is six year or five years younger than Harrison Ford was when he shot Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And Kingdom mm. of the Crystal Skull, not Dial of Destiny, but fair, you know, they're similar. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull treated Harrison Ford like he was just, like, decrepit and about to die. And <laughs> Tom Cruise is like, no, nah, I'm going to make part two. And then, who knows? We might do, you know. I'm going to jump a motorcycle nine. off a cliff into a base jump. <laughs> You're going to get CGI exploded in a refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> get wrecked. <laughs> oh, Destiny fucking sucked. Anyways, yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, I've been Sam Carico, so That's exciting, guys. The next uh, time we talk about a Mission Impossible movie, Alex won't even have seen it. John won't have seen it. I won't have seen it because we're gonna go see Dead Reckoning in Dallas, Texas, uh, a week from when we're recording this. I believe this comes out July 11th. So this week, at the time of recording, Dead Reckoning's already out because they fucking changed the release date on me. So get ready. Make yeah. sure you subscribe to the Film Fan Club on YouTube and uh, check it out because on Monday, July 17th, that is when the episode drops. We are going to be in studio, all of us, the three of us together. Oh, my God. Big episode. Can't wait. Guys, John, Alex, thank you so much for joining the show today. Is there anything we should mention before we sign off? No. I mean, these movies are great. Keep watching. <laughs> I mean, okay. if you got good movies with Tom Cruise in them, you can't lose. That's good, because we almost didn't have that in this house. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.